We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is probably watching the NBA Finals. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then we like to have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different. And this is our June 2019 commentary track, where we'll be discussing the film Alien. The original Ridley Scott-directed Alien from 1979 is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year, so we figured, why not talk about Alien? I'll get, I'll get back to I'll get to our alien history with commentaries in a second. But let me introduce our guests tonight. Recording our commentary for Alien with me, I have from Wise to Blue and the Cult Cinema Cavalcade podcast. He's here to talk about the bonus situation. It's Brandon Peters. Hey, I will not be turning into an egg tonight. Good. Nice. Also joining us from the Milky Way Blues, he's back from collating. It's Yancey Burns. Hey guys. Hey gang. How's it going? How are you both doing tonight? I uh, couldn't be more excited to talk about this movie. Good. Yeah, one of my faves. Good. I, I look forward to it. We've uh, so we we've had a history of talking alien films. At least Brandon, you and I actually you, you were even on for our first one. Which uh, was, uh, I I came late. Yeah, yeah. A uh, friend of the show, Jim Dietz, among others. I think Jordan, probably Alan. I think we're all, we were all discussing um, Alien versus Predator: Colon Requiem. Uh, we talked. That's one of our earlier, like one of our first commentary tracks. Uh, but you have been on, and I guess we've been going in backwards order, except that we haven't done Resurrection yet. We've talked about Alien Three. Then we talked about Aliens, and now we're doing Alien. So we skipped over Alien vs. Predator I. Yes, and we've and in keeping track of the, the cross-universe, we have talked about Predator 2, but not Predator, Predators, or The Predator. <laughs> the, the sequel names of the franchise away. are fantastic. And yeah, I guess we haven't talked about Covenant or Prometheus yet either, for that matter, just to wrap all that up. How many Ridley Scott movies have we done? That's a fun question. I think we've only done this and Blade Runner. Right, I don't think we. Oh, ever... the the unreleased Thelma and Louise commentary. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say our, our our lost matchstick bed commentary track is not quite up. <laughs> I would do that. <laughs> That's a good. It's a good movie. Uh, but yeah, all right. Enough of that. What are we doing right now? We're talking about Alien. What we're going to be doing, if you are not familiar with how these commentary track work, uh, Yancey, Brandon, and I are all going to. We all have the movie currently paused at five seconds in on the countdown from three. Uh, we're gonna say go and press play, and we're just gonna start talking over the movie. All kinds of things are going to be talked about. Um, I assume there's going to be a lot to talk about because there's a lot of movie to talk about. Uh, with that said, if you plan to follow along, yeah, just you know, pause it and press play when we say go. If you're just listening to listen, you're good. You just keep sitting yeah. here and enjoying all this good stuff. Uh, theatrical cut, too, you should mention. Yes, yes, uh, yeah. Let me note that as well. Yes, we are watching the theatrical cut. Uh, we had a we we had a discussion over whether we do the director's cut or the theatrical cut just because I think both are pretty easily available these days. And... I'd say we did talk about the director's cut for Ridley Scott's Blade Runner. At the same time, as Brandon very correctly pointed out, we've done the theatrical cut commentaries for Alien 3 and Aliens. So for consistency's sake, I understand that. So, yes, we're doing the theatrical cut, and we'll just go with that. You guys ready? Yep. Yep. All right, let's do this. Three, two, one, go. So first things first. If you haven't heard the Ridley Scott commentary track, either of them, the one with him or the one of him and the cast, do yourself a favor and listen to those commentary tracks. We'll do what we can here, but those are some great commentaries. Ridley Scott films have generally have great commentaries, and that those he's are... great. He's great. He's a guy who really takes uh, pride in his home video releases. Not many directors do, but he is one of them. Mm-hmm. Very true. As yeah. we'll find on our Kingdom of Heaven uh, commentary. Yeah, for okay. for the direct for the Roadshow version. Yes. Um, it'll be a two-part commentary track. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's talk about this opening title sequence before we get into anything else, because it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Is any film like this? Like, just the way it presents this right here? 
I think this was knocked off a couple times. A lot of Corman stuff might have tried. Um, you mean like after this, though? After this, uh-huh. yeah. Before, it's I mean, funny when a movie is. It reminds me of the credits for the first Terminator, mm-hmm. <laughs> or the credits. Oh yeah, yeah. John Same Carpenter's time. The Thing. It's like they announced themselves so confidently. Like, look, this is going to be a special movie. We're telling you, by the way, we're unveiling these credits. You know. Mm-hmm. Which this was all. This was I mentioned Corman. This was almost a Roger Corman movie. Yes. There's a lot of almost things Fair. involved in mm-hmm. this. Tom Skerritt was almost Harrison Ford. <laughs> right, right. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a, he de- he declined the role. Probably just because it was like, another sci-fi thing? I'm good. Like, And that's probably typically Harrison. He's like, no, I'm going to Vietnam with Coppola for, for a couple months. I don't need to do this this alien thing. I just did one of those in the most successful movie of all time. Like, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Harrison Ford at the time, you know, like, his breakout, you know, the, the demands... Like, he just went where he went. The demand, you know, he wouldn't have... I don't think Harrison Bill like, what sci-fi is popular? I'll go do one of those. He's just kind of where his buddies were and stuff. Yeah, he, but... wasn't, Will Smith, he wasn't Will Smithing it. He wasn't like, what's popular at the box office these days? <laughs> he was more like, yeah, what do you know? And this was originally titled, like, Star Beast, which sounds like yeah. a Rob Zombie song, but... Mm-hmm. Or a Roger Corman movie. Right. Yeah. To back to back up a bit for those credits because they went by pretty quickly. Uh, I like when when there's an and credit and it says as this person and it's not like a established property, so it's just like and Yathik Koto as Parker. Oh, Parker's, <laughs> Parker's in this movie. Parker's in this movie, guys. I don't know. <laughs> I think this might be a hit. Do you think? Do you, they, and they mention his name. It's not like I eh, will just throw it there because we forgot we cut every any scene that would have said his name. And here's outstanding model work in the wake of Star Wars. Like, yeah, just take it to another level and this was greenlit because of star wars this was uh the only space movie script at fox at the time and you know alan led jr was like the guy that was like yeah yeah proved it to you guys when he you know had produced star wars while no one else would touch it mm-hmm. and uh he's like well i got this jaws and in that's space. a hell of a two for two yeah, and I think Ridley Scott only made it because he loved Star Wars so much, right? He was crazy for that movie. He was very much into it, but he wasn't the first choice to direct. Um, you have a couple people, actually, and I just had that fact. Oh, Peter Yates, Jack Clayton, and Robert Aldrich were all... Uh... Well, and, uh, Walter Hill and Walter, was yeah, also... Yeah, Walter Hill, of course. Time. He's a producer on the film still. Peter Yates, Jack Clayton, and, and Robert Aldrich were all considered for this movie before Ridley Scott? Yeah. Jack Clayton. Well, that would have been an interesting uh, Jack, movie. Uh, Jack Clayton movie. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you look at Ridley Scott before this, I mean... It's the duelists, and that's it. <laughs> you never would have gotten anything like this with any of those other guys. They might have been good, but my gosh, it would have been much more conventional than this. I just can't imagine it wouldn't have been, you know? I was just ragging on The Great Gatsby the other day with you, so, I mean... <laughs> I really like The Great Gatsby. This is, this is a much Clayton more enjoyable made film. made a great movie called The Innocents. Have you ever seen Innocents? I know The Innocents, yes. That's a, it's a better movie. <laughs> that's I... the movie that is... That, that's a masterpiece, and that, that, that would be the movie that would have... have, have cleared him for, for this kind of project, I guess. I also really like something we get this way comes from the 80s. Jack Clayton's good, man. He's an underrated director. But anyway, there's still think... being, this is such a, this is so obviously, along with the duelist, the the, the, the arrival of a, of, a, of a major visual uh, artist, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and Ridley Scott is big on details, and it's the details oh, yeah. that most don't think of, where he may, I've heard things about people that, I've never had a problem with the actors in his movies or performances, but his worlds, like big or small, like well thought out. He think you know he thinks of ways to present things. 
what, what helps thrilling. that he hires you know the best actors working so he doesn't have to concern himself too much with the right with the performances i'm sure he directs them to what they need to do but like you and know, this the cast thing, he works this, with are great so. this is some guy's like second film and he made commercials yeah. like just this is a, this is masterwork here yeah, this is a, this is still, I think, his greatest movie, which is not a knock. I, I think he's actually underrated. I think people give him a hard time for making so many movies that they think are so-so. But I think that's partly because he starts the off so strong. What, <laughs> well, well the yeah, the idea of what makes a good director is that they thematically continue with stuff. They stay in their lane, sort of. Martin Scorsese makes Martin Scorsese movies, but Ridley Scott has made a lot of different kinds of movies. I mean, Thelma Louise is a different. Oh, he's a great director. journeyman director for sure. Mm-hmm. He's a journeyman director, but I think. Being a journeyman director doesn't pay in the modern era when we're so used to these more personal sort of passion project directors. Mm-hmm. But I think history will be kind to a lot of his movies. I think he's, uh, I think he's made quite a few good movies. The only, the only one of his movies I've seen that I absolutely didn't like was uh, the one with Russell Crowe and DiCaprio. Um, a Body, Body of Lies. Lies. But I, every other one, I found something I can I can take. And Robin Hood was a little bit. But I mean, he makes so many movies, he can make a few bad ones. There, yeah, <laughs> but I, I mean, think he's made a lot more good than bad. I would say yes. I would, I, if anything, I, I think his two thousands are more interesting than his nineties. I mean, For aside, sure. from, aside from yeah. and Louise, I mean, White Squall, GI Jane, was it a for the Columbus movie? Yeah, like, ugh, those are all not good. They're yeah, all the like that. Good. That's the low point for him. On, I mean, oh the, yeah, the, the re- everything else seems to have more of an identity than those than that like series of films. Because then, like once Gladiator kicked in. He was just like on a run, like <laughs> throughout. The... I think that's a commonality with artists when they hit their about sixty. I think some artists, filmmakers, and writers, they get the sense that they're sort of over, and they they don't know how to proceed to the next act, and they kind of fumble for ten years or so, mm-hmm. and then you know they realize, oh, I'm going to live for another couple decades, and they start making you know, terrific movies again. But here's the thing. I mean, yeah, The Duelist, which is quite good, by the way. I, it's, yeah, very it's good. very atmospheric. It's got two like cool performances from what uh, Carradine and Keitel. Yeah, just the concept of like these two guys that hate each other and just keep fighting. It's like that's neat to me. But yeah, Alien and then Blade Runner. It's like a back to back. When you look at Ridley Scott and you think of like his movies, it's like yeah, there's a it, there's a two you know you have two sci-fi class that define genres for years to come. Like that's that everybody cop yeah yeah. So it's like that's no, a, that's no. such a hard like hill to get over. I would say for some director as far as how some people some people try to look at Ridley Scott. But I mean, I a lot of his films from, from again, that 2000s era, I really like. I'm a huge Matchstick Man fan. I joked about it earlier, but yeah, yep. I'm a huge fan of Matchstick Man. I, I think Kingdom of Heaven is his, maybe his third best movie, honestly. <laughs> I, I absolutely adore Kingdom of Heaven. I think it's a fan. It's, even just the theatrical cut, I was already, already a fan of, but that long director's cut of, like, Gladiator won Best Picture, and this movie got bombs? It just it, it yeah, boggles my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And even I, and, I, and I like his current obsession with like I have ideas for how to keep making alien movies, but they have nothing to do with alien. I want to talk about yeah. Robots. This is the only time he's interested in the xenomorph is <laughs> yeah. this movie. Yeah, and even here, well, that, that's, we do... that, that's that, that's the way that, that's that's someone's going to write a book one day about how mm-hmm. basically you could only get a movie funded if it was a franchise movie, but then you just made whatever movie you wanted to make anyway. Yeah, I mean, Prometheus is barely an alien movie, and I think. It didn't hurt its reputation. It hurt its reputation to be to be considered an alien. Movie. I think on its own, it's a terrific science fiction movie. You know, in fact, I I'm very controversial with this. I'm sure, but I think his recent, like his last ten years, I really like Prometheus. I really like The Counselor, and I actually really like uh, Alien Covenant too. Like, 
I think I think Alien really... Covenant's growing on me the more I like I... think about that film because I'm, I, See, I still it think it's, I, I still think it's heavily flawed in its final third. I think it I think it really, which feels more like well I have to play into the fact that it's an alien movie so here's all the alien but like it just feels I like don't know that. I think that stuff really it's, works uh, well. I mean to a degree it, it's nice that it doesn't forget uh, what a like you know space slasher the movies kind of is, um, but it, it does. I mean, when we go into it, we're like, oh, we remember this prestige alien movie, which was a slasher in space, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, with things that we kind of forget that going in. But it was kind of a weird thing because Pr- Prometheus draws you in on this. Well, oh, this is just almost straight up sci-fi. And then to Covenant, which leans more on so that yeah, Prometheus yeah. w- with the one alien movie. Uh, Prometheus decides to lean more on the discovery, you know, haunted mood atmosphere aspect of it. And then Covenant decides to, you know, rely a bit heavily on the, you know, slasher antics of it. So they're with kind the, of with a heavy dose of nihilism added on top of it. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you well, got Fastbender's he... magnificent and that whole David stuff he's interested in. I wish they just let him go to town with whatever he's trying to get out about that. And I'm sure that's what he wants to do with the third one, where he's like, all right, if I can, fi- if, if Disney will let me finish off my trilogy, <laughs> like right. I, can, I can kind of finish my thesis on David and robots and stuff by way of, I mean, you know... he's very, he's very, I, I think really Scott is a pretty practical guy in that way. Like he made the, he made Prometheus. There was mm-hmm. certainly online, there was a negative reaction from some people. He obviously wanted to keep telling that story of David and, 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 and you know, and, and in order to do so, he had to deliver them a movie with more alien in it, which he did. But I think that, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think it's really I think it's I, the, I was with you at the screening, wasn't I, Aaron? I think I was sitting in the same row as you and I, probably, I didn't really yeah. like it that first screening, but I. Somehow, it was the first 4K Blu-ray that I bought. And, and well, because I think it's like it's you're expecting a certain kind of thing, and I just yeah. I think it went a different direction, but not in a way where it's like I didn't like aggressively reject it. It was just like, well, that was different. But yeah, it's a kind of movie where it sits with you <laughs> weirdly. Well, we have we know we have like, everybody. I think is hung up on expectations these days going to movies, and it's like your expectations only last until the day the movie comes out, and then if you if, if your expectations weren't fulfilled, you're upset, whatever. But the movie is going to be the movie for the rest of time. So you might as well give it a chance at some point. Sure. But I, although Prometheus, I liked right out the gate. Like, I was yeah, like, that was too. great to me. <laughs> yeah, me too. Different. We should stop talking about Ridley Scott for a second so we can talk about all of these various cast members that have we've talked over for the past, like, ten minutes. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a great ensemble cast here. we got Tom yeah. Skerritt, Sigourney Weaver, Veronica, Veronica Cartwright, the man Harry Dean Stanton, John Hurt, Ian Holm, and Yafik Koto. That is an amazing assemblage of people. Obviously, yeah, not yes, not, there. Obviously, all of them are not, like, in, like, you know, they're not like huge box office draws besides maybe Tom Scared at this point. But at the same time, nah. it's like, that's such a great like set of character actors. Well, it's I mean, great. like, yeah, yeah uh, Veronica Cartwright, Cartwright was probably the one that has less clout looking back. But she was kind of a child star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's going, in like uh, Hitchcock movie. She was in what, yeah. The Birds, right? Yep. Yeah. She's and in The she... Birds and she's in the remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers and she's yeah. in it. And the Witch yeah. of Eastwick, if you like that. So he's in a lot of horror movies. Yeah, she's so got, she's she, got genre cred. Yeah, she's yeah. big. She's bigger than Sigourney Weaver at this time. Sigourney mm-hmm. Weaver was like, you know, had Nobody. this quote credited in Annie Hall, but it's in the final scene uh, from a distance. Wide shot. Yeah, yeah. So here, yeah, she and uh, Meryl Streep were like they were roommates at the time uh, really? doing this stuff. Yeah, and Meryl yeah. Streep, it, they both like auditioned, but John Cazale just passed away, and that kind of factored oh, right. into Meryl Streep not wanting to kind of be a part of anything for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Ian Holmes brilliant in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like he might he might be the best performance from my end and it just 
I mean, once you see some of the crap tor- he does towards the end, oh, I easily feel think. I just, mean, not, holy not, crap. not easily as far as like the others are bad. Just more of Ian Holm, I think, has the most complicated character to play because he's you don't know he he's a robot it. right now. And he <laughs> like, nails it, yeah. And, and but you can look back on this movie over and over again and think of all the things that he's doing to play a human. He's a human playing a robot playing human, and that's mm-hmm. great layering. Like that's just just a really just some looks he gives the way you can the read. The part it runs lines, in place. Yeah, there's a lot of little ticks that you just kind of see that really like show you what kind of work he's accomplishing here. That said, what I like about this cast in general is they're all very like it's such a relaxed movie, like as far as how these guys act. They feel like a crew of people that work all the time. Mm-hmm. They feel like blue collar workers is what I'm saying. I guess. They're truckers in space. Yeah, truckers in space. Yeah. It, yeah. It, and they they feel like that. They have that kind of casual cadence with each other. It all feels very lived in. And that's what you get when you put a team of, you know, theater and character actors together. Guys, they, they're people that can do that kind of performance without having to be showy. It's and, funny uh, to, th- to think how revolutionary this must have felt, especially this plus Star Wars, too, in, in terms mm-hmm. of redefining the genre. Because before this, when you had a spaceship in space, it was it was, you know, Captain Kirk and his crew. And it wasn't a bunch of blue collar sort of grunts who wouldn't really want to be there. So that was a whole different kind of milieu to set this movie in. It must have really been startling when it came out. Eber pointed out the age difference between this and other like horror-type movies where most of these people are fairly older. Like, yeah. Like, you know, mm-hmm. besides Cartwright and... Re- Excuse me, and Weaver, who are she's thirty. I she's, think in this Weaver's Weaver. twenty nine. Veronica Cartwright's like thirty, like early thirties. The rest are all you know forties, fifties. Like they're mm-hmm. they're already yeah. fairly you know, and you don't see that often. You get you get a you have much you know if you're making a slasher movie or what have you, you got a younger cast. That, you know, well, this is still the seventies. It wasn't assumed that you had to have young leads to be a hit. That, it wasn't assumed, but you still—that's still more of the case with these kinds of movies. You know, you, you bring in a teen audience, you get you know teen actors or at least people that are. At a, at a younger point in their life, you, you don't see many. Yeah, but prior to Star Wars, a lot of the guys who would be captaining spaceships would be in their forties. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If for, as far as like sci-fi, that kind of thing, yes. But yeah. I mean, in terms of horror movies, I mean, yeah. There's, yeah. There's, well, there's, what is this? A sci-fi movie? It's or a, a hybrid. Movie? I mean, it's a bunch of genres. Yeah. <laughs> and I gotta say, I, I would put, I love the look of space in this movie. Oh yeah, the bad like, are great. All movies like that. Like I don't know, CG's not bad, but for some reason this look of space just draw like i don't know i maybe it's because it's from growing up and looking at these movies back you know i don't think it's from then but it's just it's just like uh, there's something tangible about it that i just i fall for easily and and this movie's effects hold the hell up like insanely it's it's incredibly impressive it's 2001 a space out of sea level of impressive star wars level impressive right it's just really hard and really time consuming to make effects that hold up i think almost anybody would agree that this looks more pleasing to the eye than than um, the best cg could could match it but average cg you see in movies is not as pleasing to the eye as this it's just sort of Mm -hmm. you know it's sort of cartoony and i I, I think it comes i'm surprised no one has really put the effort into making an origin i think i think it comes down to two things one is that ridley scott's such a great master of um process and so you see all the little bits and pieces that go into it so you're not overly showing like a ship traveling through space you're seeing you know the the sides of an engine and what it's doing the computer screens that are monitoring certain you know giving audience context for what's actually happening Mm -hmm. without going out of your way to out of its way to show you the you know big money shots essentially and in the same kind of reasoning it's not very showy about its space 
you get the idea of what's happening, but it's not a film that's focused on this is a ma- this is an amazing shot of a spaceship going onto a planet right now. This is look at all these edits, like we're going back and forth to character, screen, landing pads, and there's fog, which is you know it's fog. It's the late seventies slash early eighties. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get a lot of atmosphere in these kind of movies, but there's so much going on to kind of get you in the same headspace as the characters that you can be convinced that space looks as good as it does because you're you're kind of with them. You get it. You don't need to focus on how what that visual really is you're getting some of that but it's not like it's not being emphasized in the same way that a lot of movies you know that rely heavily on cg for reasons that i think are obvious today they don't they they need they rely on that this movie doesn't have to well this movie's yeah that yeah you're right i mean it's you know budget and limitations obviously also stop you from doing that but even then i mean look at like prometheus prometheus is a great looking movie and there are shots of like the of, of the shuttle Prometheus going through space, and they look very good. But it's still not the movie's like primary emphasis. Maybe towards the end when it's like here's a giant you know thing falling down out of the sky or whatever. But right, there's still this. I I see the same Ridley Scott in that movie that I see in this movie as far yeah. as how he sets up shots, what he wants, what he wants the audience yeah, to be looking at. Yeah, that does feel at. a lot like this. That was pretty uncanny how he was yeah. able to recreate that feeling uh, mm-hmm. in, in space. Because again, but, you I, know, it's, even the, from, it's the process. Alien... I think it's the process. I think he's such a great master of showing you all the bits and pieces. He doesn't yeah. need to show you, but he does anyway because it just fills in the world more. I, but I that they went CG with it in the third one. It just isn't. I don't know. It, it's not nostalgia that makes me say that the less I see of it, the less I can tell what it's shaped. It's just more effective in this movie. Even the second one, they're it's not. They're not as scary is the one in this one uh, at least that's how i feel well I, I mean i think that i mean the third one is go is certainly trying to go back to that sense of claustrophobic horror it's just a compromised mm-hmm. film for various reasons that we've talked about in our alien 3 commentary um, but, um aliens assembly cut all the way assembly cut all the way. oh assembly cut is much better yeah it's alien, not quite there yeah. but aliens i mean for one cameron's set it's you know it's like It'd be like taking a Zack Snyder film and putting Joss Whedon into it. They're just very different. No one would ever do that. That'd be ridiculous. It just it'd be two <laughs> it'd be two different sensibilities going from <laughs> Scott to James Cameron. I mean, they're both very talented directors and very talented visual directors in their own right. But I do think that they're the pivot from this movie to that movie is very clear to me as far as what you're what you're getting out of that. Like, that really it, feels like an action movie or a war movie. Yeah, yeah. it's structured as much. Like it certainly Which it is... has its thrilling elements, but I mean, war movies have their thrilling elements. I mean, that's that's what they have. It just happens to be a sci-fi themed movie, but you're still you know military grunts in space at that point. But the look of it, yeah, it does uh, the. It, it's something about the '80s where it just like the, Brandon, like I, I think you could probably understand this too a bit. Like it's certainly tangible, but it still has a very like. There's a there's a produced feel, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because you get that in a lot of like horror, where like the effort's there. You're still watching effects and whatnot, but like it certainly feels like something that's come. If it, not necessarily a product, certainly not the you know the best movies of that time, but it still feels like something that's you know being made and shown to you. Where this feels a little more naturalistic. Yeah, it's just one of those things again, where obviously the creature was never built to like a full scale where you could just show the whole thing so the but the limitations it's an old cliche isn't it that the limitations make you be more force you to be more creative but there's something about the 30 seconds or so in this movie that the creature is on screen there's a total of four minutes i believe of xenomorph 
<laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's just... It, Which is ridiculous. It, it, of course, the movie called Alien. We're supposed to see a bunch of Alien. I can't imagine a movie called Alien that doesn't have a bunch of Alien in it. That's a, that's, no. that's, that's, no. <laughs> Can you imagine trying to sell this to a modern audience? It's so uh, <laughs> low-key and slow. You know, you have to really... Low-key? What? It's it. part of the Marvel Universe? I don't know what you're saying. Here we go. This uh, is what, exactly. I love this part with Ian Holm. Right here is where I'm talking about. Yeah, the little jogging place he does. Yeah, it's cool. That's... Uh, yeah, this this whole like I love this segment of the movie, this discovery segment, probably the most of all. I just think this the way uh, really Scott makes, you know, going on a new unknown planet scary. Mm-hmm. Like you can be as much of a uh, oh, discovery as you want. But that's the, the foreign uncharted territory. It's it's empty. It's lonely. It's got the this storm cre- is blasting you creepy know, like wind. Yeah. Oh, and then you approach storm and uh-huh. stuff. I can't see anything. How am I supposed to watch this movie? Right. People have about things. <laughs> oh, and then when you go in the ship, it's like uh, one of the best haunted house movies uh-huh. ever. And yeah. there's no ghosts, you know, like, I, yeah, just the detail. And H.R. Giger, you know, uh, yes. is, owns this. And that's a that's a byproduct of uh, Yodorowsky's Dune as well, because that's where him and O'Bannon met. Right. Right. Dan O'Bannon, the writer. And Dan O'Bannon. There. We, yeah. we should note if you if you want to watch a really cool documentary about a Dune movie that wasn't made, rent Yodorowsky's Dune. It's terrific. Yes, yeah. And then yeah, like O'Bannon also worked with John Carpenter where on uh, Dark Star, Dark where the Star, genesis yeah. for from this movie came. Yeah, I was and... just going to mention that this does feel quite a bit like Dark Star too, in terms of the sort of grunt sense mm-hmm. and the crowded sense of the, of the ship. Like when I first saw Dark Star that long ago, I thought, well, that's interesting because it feels like the same sort of aesthetic and yet when i'm watching it here this feels like a ridley scott movie and that really felt to me in a lot of ways like a john carpenter movie so when you got walter hill's touch on it too because him and david geiler they apparently saved this script from being too campy too uh b level i mean there's a big argument over o'bannon pissed about their changes and stuff but i'd say their interference only benefited yeah, uh, because feature, O'Bannon, yeah. I mean, I like that he gets a solo screenplay credit, but yes, yeah. it, um, I, knowing Darkstar and like his, more of his sensibilities, like I can imagine a much different version if they used purely his script for this movie. Well, there was no Android in it. Um, that's mm-hmm. one. I think they were all male characters as well. Mm-hmm. And the creature um, was like, just kind of like, almost like a beach ball again, wasn't it? In the, in the way they were going to do it. Like, a, so, yeah, yeah. It's um, literally a beach ball in Dark Star, the, the, the creature that the. But they, I tell you, when you watch Dark Star, and there's a scene where one of the characters goes off with a flashlight or whatever, hunting the beach ball creature, it feels just like this movie, to, you mm-hmm. know, creeping, creeping around a scary spaceship. To you know? be fair, Dark Star is like, there's a lot of intentional cut. Like, it is trying to be a bit of a spoof on 2001. Like, it, right, is, it has right. that in its DNA. Like, it's not an out and out comedy, but it certainly has a lot of comedy in it. Like, it's, tr- right. it's going for a certain style, or this is going for obviously not a comedic style. <laughs> Which I, I think it's funny is Dan O'Bannon and John Carpenter work on that. O'Bannon goes with Alien, where he works with Walter Hill on something that's not very Walter Hillish, and then John Carpenter goes and makes a film that Walter Hill probably loved, right? With uh, Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Uh-huh, oh yeah. right, yeah. So it's it's like Walter Hill probably would have collaborated with Carpenter better than he did. Yeah, it's O'Bannon. like the, I get some of these like names confused with which things everybody's working on at this point in this kind of weird seventies eighties period because it's like mm-hmm. I always forget that Walter Hill is not involved in Assault on Precinct Fifteen. Was like right? Was he? What was he? Was he? What was he doing? Like was he prepping the Warriors? Like this seems He's like not involved in what? Not involved in Assault on Precinct Thirteen. It just feels like no, no. that feels so very much like a Hill kind of thing, and it's like oh, they didn't talk on this. <laughs> 
No, that's a Carpenter thing, man. There's no, I, get, no I know, I know that it's movie. his. I know that it's his movie. It's just weird that there's like there was no interact. It's like thinking like Man and Friedkin, like the, how they're not like how they have more of a rivalry than actual collaborations together. Right, right, because of to, to Live and Die in L.A. and Manhunter, right? Yeah, yeah. But one thing, one thing, was one of them going to sue the other? Well, that's a different movie we're talking du- about. Dueling Petersons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's interesting. And. Uh, uh, here they when there's faraway shots they use children in those costumes, and it for, yeah. doesn't show. Oh gosh, look at that! Yeah. Oh, that is amazing shot. Mm-hmm. Um, model the, work. It's amazing. Yeah, the model work and like the the atmosphere, the, the clouds around it. Like it's just so. All this is just really cool. I just, I mean, there's nothing like it. There really isn't. Just not handled in this way. That's yeah. Right <laughs> Like, I've never been to another planet, but it makes me feel like I could touch everything. Here. Like, there's a tangible uh, vision here that somehow Ridley Scott makes things that are just absolutely extraterrestrial feel like I've been there. You know, it, it, he has enough familiarity to do that while this stuff is, I mean, especially the Giger stuff's very wild. But I don't know how he translates that so well, but he does. I just yeah, read th- I just read this to call back to the opening title. Saul Bass designed that, which makes a bunch of sense. Oh yeah. This movie is really exists in a sweet spot for for guys like us who are adults now, and but who are un- un- unavoidably drawn to um, sort of escapist stuff. Uh, this you know this is right in that sweet spot when they're still basically making movies for grown ups, but they've started to adapt this idea of the A budget. B movie, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. When you're saying there aren't too many, like, it's, yeah, I mean, it's not. I mean, if you think about the movies that came out after Star Wars that we're trying to capitalize on, they they they're interesting. They kind of fumble around and stumble around with tone, and, and, and but they're all sort of trying to capture that lightning in the bottle that 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 Star Wars did, and this one certainly did too, you know. Um, but it, you know, it, it's sort of it, it, it's sort of sad to think about how. Um, different this feels than a movie you would see in major release that's a big hit today i feel like people would be absolutely up in arms if this was a new movie um yeah. asking for their money back 20 minutes ago uh but i don't know it's just dispiriting it's a, to think about you know it's dispiriting but that's a it's a weird conundrum to be in because movies from today not that this is the only movie that takes that movies take inspiration from but movies movies of today regardless of how successful they are or what have you they're certainly inspired by movies like this that wouldn't necessarily make the bank that they made back then today. You know, but they're inspired in the wrong, in sort of the wrong way. But no, they... I, I understand that, but like the audiences that are ideally looking for something that reminds them of something like this, but they won't go see something like this. It's a kind of weird circle. Mm-hmm. Well, and they probably never liked this one anyway. They just like the second uh-huh. one. Uh-huh. Uh, in the wake of Star Wars, you had two kinds of, of things that happened. You had uh the obvious like the star wars knockoffs like the bow beyond the stars stuff like that but you also had the people that said okay what kind of b level thing can we give an a level attention to where you get superman you get alien uh you get raiders of the lost ark that that type of thing and those are the ones we remember not the ones that directly ripped off just oh it's a genre thing yeah you have the guys that are you know the the godfathers of the blockbuster era and yeah those are the ones that are going to kind of stand out well the ones yeah. that are kind of either matching them or certainly doing a very capable job like this movie 
Because what? Well, like, yeah, Aliens a space movie, but it's a different type than like Star. There were movies like this being made. There's like Mario Bava's Planet of the Vampires, which yeah. is heavily influential on this, and other movies about you know these kind of discovery that this was based off of. Star Wars was based off like the, um, the you know arrows, Flash Gordon yeah. star. Yeah, and the and the Commando Cody, um, as well as other different things. But but and you certainly, I mean, going through the seventies and seeing the increase in the use, you know, the use of different artists or whatnot to create storyboards that lead to these elaborate designs, having Giger influence, having stuff like that, plus having an advent of more technology that allows you to do stuff, allows you to kind of build things on another kind of scale or something that doesn't, you know, that it's not just, I don't know, clean historical replications, but like weird stuff like this fucking space jockey right here looking at her. Hot, it's scary. Let alone what the, you the know, hell is that? Animatronics and the, puppeteering and latex masks and all these things. It's more developing further and further, so you have more you know, there's more imagination going around. What Can what is that? Now saying, what was that stupid thing sitting in the throne? What did that have to do with anything? Why was they didn't answer that. What the hell? Well, I know, but like clearly what you just said was yeah. what is that thing? God, that's scary. That's what yeah. I don't know why would movie going change from that more open minded approach to what I what I think is a much more cynical approach, which is to be yeah. so critical of everything and try to win the who can think of the best criticism, you know, who can prove their worth by being the most dismissive of a movie, you know, like that seems to be the name of the game. I would I, say, I just I, I, I would uh, just to because we're going to talk we're going to talk about how cynical everything is. I do think that that belongs to us, you know, mainly the internet. Like I do, yeah. I do legitimately. But the I do, movies are the movies. I know the movies, movies are, are there. They're not. I, I know the movies are the movies. I'm not denying that there's been a shift in how a segment of audiences, a very vocal segment, tend to view things. But I do think that there's still, and maybe it's too optimistic of me, but I do think there's an audience that just likes seeing this stuff still, even if it's not produced mm -hmm. in mass quantities, but does and doesn't walk away with it asking all the wrong questions. Well, part of the problem too is a lot. I mean, a lot of these. Uh, social media criticizers of things tend to think that every important piece of a film's plot or mo movement or things are ex are always explained in dialogue which rather than visuals they always if it mm -hmm. they need it they need a character to say something instead of uh the camera to say something and that's right. annoying well, they, 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 but they think but they know more than the filmmaker knows yeah, yeah, they go in. Th they sure. go in thinking they're better than a movie, which you should never, exactly. ever, ever, you know, ever, ever, do ever do that? that. You paid to see the movie. You want to be entertained. You want to be moved. You should be rooting for this thing. You shouldn't be. But it just. I thought it was an LA thing initially because there's so many want to be yeah. screenwriters out here. But I, I, I think it's just a, it's a culture wide thing. I just. You're, here's my money. Take me away. Transport me. It's I'm yours. And that's actually what this we're talking about. This period in the late '70s and early '80s. Classically, you would refer to this as like the post-Watergate, post-Vietnam. People just wanted a break from the serious, all the president's men stuff. So, like I said, you had you have the. But what makes this movie? I think what ultimately makes this movie so effective is 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 the central um, notion of of the this thing impregnating, uh, you know, a man, and, mm -hmm. and and that's uncomfortable. It makes that makes people uncomfortable, you know. But there's a big difference, I think, when you could go on Friday night and see this movie in Westwood with a packed audience and everybody's into it and everybody gets it. That, that means that the, I think that means that the culture is operating at a, at a more sophisticated level than when you couldn't show a movie like this to a full up a packed audience and make them happy. Well, I mean, yeah, like there's different times. I mean, <laughs> the Godfather was a phenomenon, an event. Now it would 
barely be lucky to well, get a mini series on yeah, make not, million or make 40 not million that they're Christmas. relatable but that's why scorsese needs netflix to fund his hundred right. million dollar gangster film mm-hmm. um, as opposed to you know being able to just make a hundred million dollar gangster movie on like but yeah uh, with like paramount or whatever at the same time i can understand paramount's position like we don't want you to get old people Pacino and Robert De Niro and people that just aren't that big of a draw anymore in your hundred million dollar movie. It doesn't make any sense to us. Don't you work with DiCaprio, sir? <laughs> How about this? Wolf of Wall Street too? Yes. <laughs> no, it's it, it just very interesting. Um, what people like, but uh, this discovery scene, we, uh, people will probably call so, him an idiot nowadays, but there are so many. Like, let's talk, let's not talk about cynical audiences. Let's just talk about this movie for a while. The um, the whole scene of them like going through this thing, discovering the space jockey, reaching their hands around the space jockey, watching the camera just like move around them, and like it must be so freaky to watch this in like a a crowded theater in 1979, not knowing what's going to happen. Like there You are... know something's going to happen, but when and you know, what? Yeah, there's so much great pacing in all of this scene right here. Uh, all This whole like entire sequence on LV-427? 3? 427? Here's the thing. Like, the, the space jockey looks intimidating. You're like, what mm-hmm. the hell is that? Nothing happens with it. The eggs, which are just kind of like, ah, okay, something happens with that. And it's gross. It's re- like... It's an organism that looks kind of like relatable, like that you can just understand how it's breathing, how it works, like it's flesh. Like it's... oh, what's yeah? What's perfect is that it's an alien that you've never seen before, and yet you get it. Like it's such a that's a it's an amazing accomplishment. I think something that you that doesn't feel like something you know of, and yet you understand what it's doing because the movie's so fucking good at telling you how this thing works mm-hmm. without without out and out explaining it. Like it's just like. Yep, yep, weird squid thing on face. Dud did something bad. <laughs> like, what now? It's coming out of him. Oh, it's small. It gets bigger. Like, you, you get all these steps because the movie shows you so well. Anyway, here's John Hurt about to get <laughs> mounted mm-hmm. on. John Hurt rocks. <laughs> Just yeah. put that out there. He rocks so much yeah. that he makes yeah. all of this work, and then he's like, you know what, Mel Brooks? I will come in to do a cameo in Spaceballs and make this exact scene again. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah, and then you pull away. Mm-hmm. Great shot. Great pan out oh. right there. Perfect use of, like, the fog. It's just, like, so ominous. Even the spaceship is, like, weird. Like, what is that? Like, it's, a, it's like a U. It's like, what kind of ship is that? That's crazy. It's not what we would expect in a design or anything. Uh-huh. It's, it's clearly it's from some other world, you know? And it's right. It's just exactly. the, the littlest things are so brilliant here. How does that fly? And the Prometheus answered that question. It's not in the way I exactly. Here's, <laughs> here's not the way I'd expect. <laughs> here's the thing, though. Today you make this movie, you'd have to explain that. You'd have to make it look like, oh, I understand how that flies. Even though I wouldn't understand another planet's tech. You know, <laughs> it's allowed to be. Why is it like that? Because it's from another planet. I'll, like, I'll say this. I do. I think. I think we're going a little overboard with some of the ways that movies are made today. Like I feel like, for example. Even though for Yancey, it's for the MCU. I do think the Guardians films do a good job of establishing their sci-fi world without having to over-explain everything. Like, I do think there's a lot that they're throwing at you without being like, and then this is how this works, and then this is how that works. I think there's a lot of just weird shit that's there that's just there. Because Gunn's good at, James Gunn is good he at is. He's a, you uh, know, He's a guy that works that in across. this kind of realm, yeah. 
That's why I mean, world his, building is yeah. not the problem these days. World building that can happen very well, it's it, it, very very often. And yeah, James Gunn is good at that. It's yeah. just this movie is a challenging movie. It's upsetting and challenging and scary and it shakes you up. And when you get that today, it'll be something like, you know, uh, the witch, which will be a hit on a minor level, but people don't seem to like to be disturbed together in a big dark room anymore because this movie is really disturbing i mean look at this i mean yeah the the look of his helmet fogged uh, they mm-hmm. it, it's like wow it, it's just realish the closest you know? we got to something like this recently was life a movie i wasn't huge i like it's, it's fine but the, remember life from a couple years ago um, with, ryan, like with ryan reynolds and um, i love that Martin jake Lawrence. gyllenhaal oh oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah with eddie murphy martin lawrence yeah the you know remember the aliens Casey uh, no. and JoJo song still in my iPod. No, the sci- the sci-fi one that was like a, he, it was weirdly expensive for being a movie that was very likely not going to make yeah, that everyone kind was of money. saying it was a Venom. Prequel. Everyone's saying yeah, it was yeah. a Venom prequel, yeah. But it has a it has a, a tone very it's very clearly drawing off Alien. It's very dark. It's very nihilistic. Um, yeah. But it does do a lot of like let's show you this stuff kind of thing in like an upsetting sort of way. <laughs> like you you really hate the alien in that movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a bastard. Yeah, you know, I'll give that movie, I, I kind of liked it, and I'll definitely give it credit. There's a movie that made, made a point of having a creature that could only be done in CG. Mm-hmm. Like, I like that. Like, the, you couldn't have done that in stop motion effectively. That could only be done in CG, and, and that, to me, made it worth two hours or whatever. Sure. Oh, that sweat on uh, yeah. genres. As far as nihilism, I'll take nihilism as much as I can get in a science fiction movie. Come on. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I I feel like... I don't necessarily need like a warm up to that, but sometimes it just rubs me the wrong way. It's like, oh, it's one of these, and I like I feel like I'm like, oh, I wasn't prepared to to be so <laughs> feeling so hateful about things afterwards. Yeah, well, I like everybody watching them through the window. So we're watching the theatrical cut. Um, in the director's cut, there's a longer sequence of them arguing over whether or not to let John Hurt in. Uh, yeah, the procedure. Yeah, 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 it, yeah because of you know, protocol and whatnot, and the guy has an alien on his face, but Thomas Garrett's like, I'm the captain. I'm, you know, going to follow my Well, orders. no, they can't let Dallas or Lambert in with him. Yeah, like, they, well, they, can't, three, like, they, yeah. they can't open the doors whatsoever because there's a contaminated thing going on. So, like, they don't know what to do. Um, and Kane lets him in. Kane, yeah. Because he can like, override, yeah. He overrides. He goes against orders. And it, it just, it adds to the what's the real mission here kind of question going on, mm-hmm. which I want to ask now because we, we know what's happening. We know that they followed some kind of distress signal. Does the company know that there's something that they need to check out? I think so. Is that I what we're logic we're going uh, with? That like they know yeah. that there's something. It's not a matter of whether or not we can rescue something. It's more of like we want to go recover something. This is also yeah. where Sigourney Weaver's character starts to break from the pack and, and establish herself as a as the, the lead, really. At first, she seems like she's just kind of being difficult and, and, and officious. I think we all assume Tom Skerritt's going to be the lead, probably. He's but... the, I mean, he's, the, he's yeah. the he's the first name you see. He's the, you know, he's the captain of the ship. Like, the, yeah. it's 1979, so you don't tend to get anything other than the captain's the guy that you want to follow. Like, yeah, there's no reason not to think that. But the first time you're seeing this, I'm sure it feels totally organic that all of a sudden Ripley's the last one. It doesn't feel... You would never have predicted that from the first 10 minutes. You know? Well, the only time, I mean, looking back, I mean, anyone knew, like, who sees this movie knows Sigourney Weaver's got a really good chance of survival, but 1979, she's just uh, another member of yeah, the crew. Yeah, so the, fi- the final surprise. girl trope isn't like fully established as of yet. Right. We have, we have Halloween. We have 
I mean, Black Christmas is all women, so it's like, yeah, of course there's going to mm-hmm. be one, one woman left. But it's like, it's not like that's a trope that's, you know, been hardcore established at this point. So it's, yeah. it's still Veronica something... Cartwright has as much of a shot. Mm-hmm. Yep. In the directors, but also you get Veronica Cartwright slapping Sigourney Weaver in the face over not letting him in. Yeah. This is a great wrinkle as far as, like, what do we do to distinguish this alien? It bleeds acid. (laughs) And not just like, oh, that stung. It's like acid that goes through their entire ship. It's crazy. So does that that mean to you? It always meant to me that this creature evolved evolved to eat people on spaceships. Because you can't kill it because it'll it'll eat through the hull and kill your spaceship. Like that acid blood wouldn't make that much of an advantage on Earth. I mean, you wouldn't want to shoot it and explode it on you. But well, obviously, to be, to be thing... fair, we don't know where it. Well, I guess we kind of do now where it comes from. But but then at the time they made this, it was nothing. So at the time they made this, it was just and also like the the way it's designed, it sort of looks like it's piping. It's made of like metal and piping. Is that also to to be able to hide out on spaceships? I think, which is an interesting idea. We don't even know in this movie. Well, I we, guess we do. Or I was mean, it to hide on uh, the one spaceship it was already yeah, on? The, the or ship does that it was on is it's you know has a close kind of resemblance to I guess in some. Or way. was that ship like cocooned out into that before they got it? You know, it's it, well, that's what's it, great. It, it, it suggests some yes. kind of order, but doesn't underline it. I agree. You know? Yes, but I and that's where I do think I do think Prometheus and Covenant. I do think they have interesting ways to answer those questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, ones that. No, you wouldn't necessarily think, man, I hope someday we get some clarification on these. But at the same time, I'm fairly satisfied with the clarification on how right. xenomorphs work. Like, what I like it in the air because we I, can have a conversation about especially it. Especially in Prometheus where it's like because it's impregnated certain things, it takes different kinds of shapes. Like it's just that's just mm-hmm. neat to me. Like, but we, we, we also have, that, that, we have in, established that in Alien 3. Alien 3, like, yeah. yeah. Um, and it, I, just takes I, it, to, it takes it to the next logical step, I guess. And I'm wondering, like, when they were on that ship before, was there a xenomorph or two wandering around on that, and they just didn't run into it? I mean, we we obviously oh, saw this, something the, the, burst the, the, from the chest of the um, space jockey. That's right. There's the some, there something there. Did it did it die out? Did it? You know, I've, I've I've never thought about that. I'm like, wait, is there an alien loose on that ship they were at? Because something planted the eggs. We in the next one we find out as a queen, but that doesn't exist when this movie's made. Yeah, that's not part of this story. Yeah, that wasn't the idea. No. I, and, think they, I think I think it's very much supposed to be like you know suggesting suggesting some master plan that's out of the reach of of our understanding or these characters, especially right. in the immediacy of the situation. You got what does this movie take place over a day? Like you don't have Which, time to worry about the mythology. You know? When I ask that question, it's because I'm fascinated. Others will ask the question because they think it's integral to everything being told. At the at the core of this, this is a you know. But that only ha- that only happens when you start to try to. This was just a movie that they made, not having any idea that it was going to be a success or not. Yeah. Then you have to try to make a franchise that's almost going to support a studio for right. thirty years. That 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 then becomes really challenging, and that's what I think. I understand why the fans will then want things to be more uh, clear the, the mythology. Once you start making eight or nine movies. Oh yeah. It, it just clearly works better here where it's just mysterious. You don't know what's going on. You just wanted to kill it. You know, <laughs> like this is a, that was a great, like very slow pan over to, to, to Ian Holm. Like just the, the, the methodical pacing in this movie is so terrific. And then Sigourney Weaver, you know, pops up behind him and he's a robot, but he still gets scared. It's like, what's that? <laughs> it's just so, it's a slow movie that never feels bogged down and goes by pretty quick. 
Mm-hmm. That's where he says he's collating, which is a hilarious way for a robot to say, oh, I was thinking about something. <laughs> like, <Yeah. it's> collating. <laughs> People don't use that word to describe what they're doing. <laughs> right. Does Dallas know he's an android? Does it, you he know? I, hmm. That's a fun question. I would say he's the captain, so it would make sense for him to know. Don't they say at some point that the company started slipping the synthetic life forms in without telling anybody? Something like and, said and, that. And, and and Kane's also like he's a last minute replacement for another person. Yeah, or yeah. Thing. So yeah. Which which gets back to the other question: What does the company already know about what they're doing? Mm-hmm. Because if they're slipping in an alien or a robot at the last second, like who has you know intentions? Isn't isn't uh there like one of the deleted moments like uh where Veronica Cartway like infers that she'd slept with Kane? Yes. And that it was different. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. Wow. Yeah. There there was a hint like in the in the director's cut there's more of a hint that these people were all kind of, you know, they were out in space for a long time so there was some stuff going on with all of them. To kind right, of, Dallas know, and, and yeah. Ripley had a thing. Which Prometheus like kind of gets into a bit more with Idris Elba and Mm-hmm. That's a great scene, yeah. Because there was a scene in the script uh, with Ripley and um, Tom Scarry. Dallas, yeah, where they were in like a bubble on the ship, having a sex mm-hmm. scene, and then like Bert, uh, Brett's body bumped by or something like that, which was probably more the O'Bannon touch of things. And but... then, but and Scarrett's the one that talked really Scott out of. It. He's like, you know, we don't need this, and he's like, yeah, yeah. I agree, and then got rid of it. You drinking his milk? It's not blue, so I don't buy it. You know, we weird. It's weird to me that this, and I don't deny as far as the style, but this movie gets a lot of credit for bringing like dirty sci-fi, with the, mm-hmm. in terms of like the production values and the lived-in quality. Where, and we probably talked about this on other Alien commentaries as well as our Star Wars commentaries, but Star Wars did the same thing as far as yeah. not being clean yeah, representations sure. of space. There are certainly clean scenes as far as like you know, places that you would expect them to be fairly upkept, but like right, you know, the, millennium, the, the Millennium yeah. Falcon or, you know, even like Tatooine, like shit looks dirty. <laughs> I, I, well, I, I think with Alien, it comes more so in a, um, more so in our human evolution of things. That's how you can go like, okay, I could see that coming from our humanity where Star Wars is like, here's these fantastical things uh-huh. okay. from, you know, fantasy sci-fi now they're beaten and used. They're not like clean and polished. Whereas this one's like, okay, that looks like what we have now, but you know, boosted a hundred, couple hundred years. That's where I think the alien dirty lived in reality yeah, comes it's from. Not, it's not relying on a fantastical base. Uh, you know, it's not a. This is a sci-fi movie. Star Wars is a fantasy movie. Like, like this looks like, like if you went to some factory or something in the future. Boom! Here's your medical. You know, if you were at some compound with like a factory or something like that. These facilities would resemble that, but with a little bit of a futuristic touch. I think I always love find the facehugger scenes. Like that's always going mm-hmm. to be ter- the most terrifying to me thing to me in these movies, because like an alien, yeah, it's big, it's going to kill you. Like <laughs> you're not really going to stand a chance unless you have a face. Facehugger is just gross. Facehugger, yeah. <laughs> it's gross, and you know what it does, and there's nothing yeah. to stop it if it gets on you. That's why right. this scene's terrifying. That's why the scene in Aliens is terrifying. That's why the threat of it in Alien Three can be terrifying. I don't remember if there's one in four. There probably is, and it probably sucks because that movie's terrible. But I mean, the, you know, the facehugger scenes—they get to me. Right? Yeah, it's and not I, terrible. I think it's terrible. Really? <laughs> I'm sorry. I think it's okay. Right. I think there's and there's the first half is much better than the second half. 
Although I still think the first half is kind of like whatever. I like the cast. I wish it was better. Yeah, some good I, ideas I be, I in be, it. I, there, of course, there are good ideas. <laughs> it's like yeah, there's a lot of good ideas. It's like. Well, that's a good thing. Some movies have no good ideas. You're not wrong. Uh, yes, and I, I love would... the baby getting sucked through that little. That's an amazing scene. That last scene where the little creature gets sucked through that tiny little hole in the window. That's a striking scene. Come on. Its scream is terrifying. I'll the give that. It's ter- very the, sad, but the, it's a striking the look of thing that thing is. It's such a. That movie does mean things to me. I don't I just. I, it's hard <laughs> for me to watch it. When I do, when I do alien rewatches, I just, I don't really want to put in resurrection. Like I don't. Yeah, I don't. Alien I, I, I typically. Right. I tend not to not get to that one, yeah. Predator. I will say one thing I gotta uh, say with the 70s... Right here, see, like, hold on. It's it's like, it just pops down. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Face hooker. <laughs> and it's dead. Like, what did it yeah. do? How did it move? <laughs> it was like its last get, its last breath. It was like, Ripley. It goes after her. It's still kind of... That's a cheap scare, but if yep. it's in a good movie, so we don't care. <laughs> You don't do it too many times in here. Um, what were we saying, Brent? One thing I was going to say, like, 70s do, like, God, for some stuff. reason, they, they take the color white in the 70s and make it scary as hell. And it kind oh, of yeah. appears over a little in the 80s, but, like, it, no one would design just, like, a plain white room anymore. I mean, it's plain white, but, like, That's the 70s... 2001 influence again. Yeah, 2001 influence, but, I mean, things like, like, Conquest for the Planet of the Apes has a lot yeah. of, like, Logan's white run. scary stuff. <laughs> Logan's Run, some of the Shining, yeah. like, yeah, just, like, for some reason, oh, no. they Kubrick is a master of using white as a terrifying color. <laughs> right? Yeah, white just—it's just empty. It, it adds a sort of like haunted emptiness to things. It's—I mean, it's eerie. But I mean, you're coming out of—you know—these are directors that have grown up watching noir, like I mean, right, right, you know, yeah. and, Ger- and seeing German expressionist films. So, like, what what can they do to kind of either outdo or pivot to a new area that hasn't been explored before, as far as how to rack up tension? White is a great way to do it because it's so pure. And you're like, well, this should this shouldn't inspire you know scary feelings, but here we are, and it is like the, the idea that you can do that. I think is really impressive. Yeah. Even and especially with the robots of Ash, uh, just bleeding white everywhere. It's like, yeah, ugh, this is because everybody knows what, like what curdled milk is like, you know. <laughs> yeah. These char- we haven't talked much about these character till we talked about the cast of it, but these like these interactions are all a lot of fun. Like I think that, like everybody just does have like a good chemistry with each other. We talked all over Harry Dean Stanton and Yavakoto, who are like the comedy duo that we never realized. C three PO and R two D two. Yeah, they're great in this movie. <laughs> like just as like Yavikoto guys that are just great. like so obsessive, like we're getting paid for this. Like is that? Are they like know? the janitorial staff? Pretty yeah, they're, much. Spa- they're yeah. Val Kilmer and Red Planet. You know, classic yeah. Red Planet. They're space janitors. That's what I do. I reference Red Planet with Val Kilmer because I like that movie. <laughs> he plays a space janitor. Really? I've never seen Red Planet. It's good? I like Red Planet. It's, it's a it's bad. a very like schlocky B-movie that happens to be very expensive and set on Mars, but I think it has a lot of good stuff in it. It was See, the better the, Mars yeah. movie that year. It was the Yeah, it was better than your beloved De Palma's Mission to Mars. <laughs> I didn't see that either. You didn't see you're a big De Palma fan. You didn't see Mission to Mars. I'm a huge De Palma fan. I did not see Mission to Mars. I just heard nothing good about it from anyone, and it's, it didn't look appealing. I don't think it's very good, but I do think it has good performances. It's, like a, it's got some good ideas in it too. He just doesn't translate it 
Sinise is like all in on that movie. Like Sinise is so so, like tapped into like, I'm going to make this as intense as possible. It's going to be very emotional for me and I'm going to make it work. Jerry O'Connell in space. Robbins, right? It's Tim, yeah, Tim Rob, Tim Robbins is like the Tom Skerritt in this, in that movie. Cheetle's in it, right? Cheetle's great. Cheetle goes nuts, like early on. It's not a spoiler. There's some, it's it's a PG movie. It gets pretty grisly in some scenes. I think Ghost of Mars is superior. I enjoy Ghost of Mars in terms of the mini Mars uh, renaissance we had back then. Well, you haven't seen, now you got to watch Red Planet and Mission to Mars and you can determine if you actually are still going to hold by that because I've seen Ghost of Mars recently. And it is, it's, it's slow. (laughs) It's John Carpenter's uh, second last theatrical film. Yeah, that's what it's that is. It's way. I think it's better than vampires, and I think it's better. Than oh, it's vampires. better than vampires. Yes, <laughs> it's better. It than still feels the like Lord. it's a John Carpenter movie. It's got his obsessions in it. It's just a no, it's, it's, it's a. I wouldn't say the ultimate Carpenter, but it certainly has all of his hallmarks. I, I don't deny that. Down to the score. And so, like Harry Dean Stanton, like not a sci-fi guy. Nope. Is this At all. Like, movie? Not, not a surprise. <laughs> A man born to look 50. Yeah, how old was he here? 40s? No. <laughs> Don't say 40s. He looked like this for about 60 years. Yeah. You look at Cool Hand Luke, he looks just like this. He's a Steve Martin type. He was just born an old man. Mm-hmm. Steve Martin got lucky. He just has that the gray hair early. The white yeah. hair early. But yeah, Harry but Dan, he's yeah, young, he was an he old still guy looks forever. Old. Yeah. I think it's more you can't really tell that Steve Martin's gotten old because he looks the same. He's had that white hair forever. So no, yeah, mean, I'm not saying Steve Martin yeah. has always acted old. It's just he has a... To me, he's... I just watched Dirty Rotten Scoundrels the other day. He Like, he just has an old man's body. Even if he's even though he's spry, he just yeah. has that kind of, like... Huh. Like a fun uncle type of look to him. <laughs> I can't, I can't what, relate to that. I can't relate to that. All right. John, John Hurt coming back, coming to... It's good performance. Like, it's believable it's not overdone it's mm-hmm. not i mean I, it feels like i'm in the office with him when he just you know came to yeah he came back from his appendicitis and it's like oh right. hey you're back <laughs> yeah does Dan- stanton have other sci-fi movies now i'm trying to think i'm trying <laughs> so, to think he's any any, any other uh the avengers which is a horror movie yeah, yeah. the avengers, the of avengers course. yes <laughs> one second even the avengers which peak certainly borders on science fiction yeah. at some points but yeah no oh, i think it, yeah, this might be his only, uh... Certainly his only major one. Yeah. Escape from New York. Oh, Escape oh, from New York. Okay. There you go. That's, it's grounded human stuff, but I mean, it mm-hmm. is the future. It is sci-fi, yeah. Repo Man is, I mean... Has elements, yeah. It's elements, yeah. We could teach a and college like it... chorus on the, the sci-fi films of Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah. <laughs> spent most of the time on Alien. So here you go. This is a strange scene. The breakfast when they get to the breakfast scene, it's a strange, mm-hmm. it's a strange thing to happen forty minutes or whatever into a movie or an hour into a movie, don't you think? Like yeah. you really, it really feels like. Well, I know the movie's not over. Well, it's our second one too, because when they came to, we had a little bit of moment of them having coffee and stuff. And well, I mean, this guy had this thing wrapped around his face. Like even not knowing where this is exactly going, you still think they're not out of trouble yet. <laughs> Clearly, this guy had a thing happen to him. Something needs to come out from that. So I guess we should talk about this. I, I know the story is that, or for most that most people tend to think they to know is that like none nobody knew what was going to happen on this day, um, as far as they as far as how elaborate this stuff was going to be. 
and that's generally what it was. Like the 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 look on everyone's face is pretty genuine because they didn't know th- they knew something was going to happen, but they didn't know the extent of it. Like they didn't know what it was going to look like as far as. I don't think how, they knew how the blood splatter. Yeah, I think that was all pretty. Because you can't really predict that beyond like there's gonna thing that explodes and it's gonna be bloody. <laughs> like you can't really say like mm-hmm. it's gonna be here and here and here. Which is a a good benefit of you know practical effect for today everything's so digital even the blood so you can't really prep people in the same way. I'll I'll say this the dead don't die opens this week and the Chloe Seven you gets like a shot of blood on her at one point which is actually pretty funny. Oh yeah. Yeah. As far as it seems like something's going to happen, but she doesn't quite know how it's going to happen, and then it does. It's like, oh, that's fun. Yeah, Cartwright gets it, like, in the face. Yeah. Well, that's why they cut to Cartwright, because she has the best reaction, clearly. (laughs) It's like, no! (laughs) His hand's just shaking still. Uh Uh-huh. They must have just... Fox execs must have just been out, out of their heads when they saw that thing right there. It is so phallic. I mean, like, it is so clearly designed to be an obscenely-looking sexual creature. Like, there must have been some real doubts about whether this was going to happen at a certain point. There must have been. There are a lot of designs rejected because of how sexual in nature the aliens seem to to look in early designs. How you get more sexual than this? Why is its head like that? At the same time, it's still a, like, disgusting-looking creature with its tail and its and Just the way it runs off the table and everything. It scurries off the table. Well, that's the yeah. I think the alien is the scariest movie in monster in movie history, pretty much. Is the design of the xenomorph? Yeah, that's pretty much. That's a friend of mine once said that's what I would see when I went to hell. When I opened my eyes in hell, I would see that. I'm like, yeah, that's probably true. Well, the the, the, the more sexual nature of it makes it uncomfortable to look at too, because it's all that slick and yeah, and, the, and just the implications of how it takes on people. I mean, yeah, for one thing, the face hugger, you know, basically rapes John Hurt's face. Like that's what it does. And lays right. babies in his stomach. Yeah. And, yeah. But then you know, we the the fact that we don't see it really kill anybody in this movie, we just see kind of implications for the most part, mm-hmm. and just the yeah. way it does it with the like you know a mouth that comes out of a another mouth within a mouth. Yeah. And they shoot yeah. him off into space. Bye, John Hurt. Mm-hmm. Spock. That's actually pretty sad. <laughs> the way they show that. It just kind of, they don't take of, his body back to Earth. They mainly because just... it does those flips. Like, so it's so, like, it's room so... on that ship for John Hurt's body. Do they, though? I don't know. Is it big enough? <laughs> it's a pretty big ship. Put him in that little bumpy thing. I like how like Star Wars came out and Alien's like, well, I guess we got to go bigger. <laughs> that was the logic in the opening shots. <laughs> Which makes me, like, growing up, I love Spaceballs. Now it's like, yeah, it's fine. But the the opening shot of that ship is tremendous as far as yes. what they're doing with that thing. <laughs> it's so funny. I always thought it was kind of like the joke is already there in the original Star Wars. It's supposed to be kind of funny as it is, you know. Like I I don't thought, know. I I, I always I, thought Spaceballs is a little off, off, off. Again, off. I as a kid I love space. And I'm you know a little younger than you, but I think as a kid You're I thought Spaceballs was. I, I thought Spaceballs was the best thing ever. We watched it all the time in Hebrew school. Um, that said. Growing up, yeah. I didn't I didn't watch Star Wars and think, oh, that ship's comically large. I just thought, oh, it's a big ship. So when I saw Spaceballs for the first, like, this is this this is comedy gold. This movie mind. gets me. And because the, the score plays into it too, the score like goes big and then it stops, and then it goes really big again, then it stops and it goes back to big, and it's just, it's just it's a funny gag. I like. It. 
like I, I can see the criticism more like high anxiety where hitchcock films are already have a level of comedy in them and so high anxiety is like a little bit redundant i like hangs i don't like Spaceballs. i wish i did and obviously i love mel brooks like anybody else but i always thought Spaceballs was the jokes are some of the jokes are easy I I can agree. I do think there's he a lot just, of he doesn't. He clearly has affection for westerns, and he clearly has affection for universal horror movies. I don't know whether he has an affection for Star Wars. No, no, he's talking about that. He didn't really. He did it because it was popular. Like it was just sure, it was, sure. It was a fun idea. That's it. I do think there's a lot of really successful jokes in there, and I think the especially cast really the alien bit is brilliant. Man, we ain't found shit. <laughs> That's my favorite line in the whole movie. That's my favorite line when the when they when the guys using the Afro pick. Man, we ain't found shit. Every time I, I see it now, I go, that's a great line. <laughs> I think if you're in a good comedy mood and you put on Spaceball, I think you'd have more fun than you're saying you would. I saw it recently. Pullman, at that point, was a real drag for me. I didn't like him. I don't I like, like a lot Pullman. of early Pullman. I like Pullman a lot. I don't know. It, it's just, yeah. I don't like Moranis. I love Moranis from SCTV, but I don't like Moranis as, as the Darth Vader character. That feels weird to me. So in your Daphne Zuniga marathon night, you skip by Spaceballs? That's weird. I my Daphne Zuniga mar- marathon night is like just the fly too. I think I don't know what else I not I, the the sure thing. Oh, I like the, the sure, sure thing. thing the yeah. dorm that dripped blood. The initiation. Is, yeah. Okay. Is there a saw okay. movie in there? Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Is there a saw movie in there, or like a horror? Or is, am I thinking? She's not in any saw movie. Oh, it's Bessie no. Russell, right? Yeah, that's Bessie Russell. The same kind of actor. Watch anyway. one episode of Melrose Place. Yeah. Okay. I like this. Stern is wearing a Hawaiian shirt in space. Like, they, oh, it's part of their, before. their uniforms. Yeah, yeah. Like, Dallas Scar- has one. Scar- and does it too, Yafik. Yeah, Yafik. Yeah, Yafik. going. It's just you're looking at Yafik Koto. You're like, this guy's cool. Like you don't really think about his shirt. He's got a headband. Where's Yafik Koto at this point in his career? He's already Yafik done J- James Bond. Is... He's done. Yeah, he's done Live and Let Die. He's basically yeah. He's already done a career across 110th Street and and uh-huh. uh, Truck Turner and all those. That he's in a great movie, Larry Cohen directed called Bone. He's a great actor, yeah. I've always thought he was a tremendous actor. Oh, yeah. Um, Isn't he kind of a lunatic now in real life, though? A bit. Did he kind of go nuts? I don't know. I think. I think he. Yeah. He's got to be pretty old. I mean, I haven't. He came back know, to do an interview for that Midnight Run Blu-ray. He was yeah. great in Midnight Run. He's on an audio Run. form. <laughs> he wasn't in on video. Yeah. Yeah, isn't he kind of thorny in that, though? I think, yeah, I think he might have... Well, he plays a lot more, like, authority figures in the 80s, 90s. I mean, even, like, Homicide. I mean, he's, like, the, the captain or whatever, isn't he? Yeah, a television yeah, right. series yeah. for a while that was... Was he in the Heat of the Night Homicide. television show? Or? Homicide. No, that's Howard Rollins. Oh, Howard Rollins. Got a ragtime, right? Yeah. Now, did you say that the Ridley Scott's going to make another Alien movie? Is that what I heard you say, Aaron? He's in negotiations. He's, he's working it out, yeah. How old is he now? 82 or something? Yeah, he's no spring chicken. <laughs> he makes movies like he is, but you know, he's up He's there. like a big he's budget. He's 81 right now. He turns 82 this year. Yeah, he's kind of like a big budget Woody Allen where he's just continuously making movies. Yeah. It's like keeps him alive or something yeah. almost. Yeah, true. Well, I hope he keeps making them. I mean, yeah, he's made all, I mean, what was his last thing? The 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 Christian I did not Plummer. see that. The, 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 all the money the, in the all world. The, all the money in the world. Yep. And it was it was very hands on with the uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine too. Yeah, which I thought was really good. No, oh, I think yeah. he's just in. What's he working on? Is he working on something right now though? Like besides Alien, isn't there something else that he's like attached? There is to? something else. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he's it's got such a long. It's not the, it's something that I was about as excited as I was when I heard he was doing the Moses thing. Is that one any good? The the Exodus. Yeah. No. Probably. 
it was yeah. disappointing because I was like, because I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm named after Aaron, Moses's brother, and oh, I was yeah. like, yeah, and I'm like, are. Ridley Scott, you're doing a, a Moses film, Ridley Scott process for the ten plagues. That sounds awesome, and it was disappointing. It was sad. It's got like, there's good stuff in it because by default, it's a Ridley Scott movie. It's going to have some good stuff in it. And it's got a great cast, but it's just. It just kind of goes on and on, doesn't really have much to do with anything. I liked, as far as, like, big-budget theological movies from, from like, talented auteurs, I liked Noah quite a bit from Darren Aronofsky. Certainly interesting movie. Yeah. It's not one that I'm like, I gotta watch that over and over again, but I really liked it the two times that I've seen it. Brandon, you get a, you, well, actually, you guys both get a lot of Blu-rays. Did either one of you get that? The one I'm curious about is Someone to Watch Over Me that he did in, like, 87? Yeah, 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 yep, yep. Very stylish. It's, it's all right. Um, yeah. I mean, if he hadn't directed it, I don't, I think it wouldn't be any different than something on late night, like, yeah. uh, pay movie channel or a lifetime type movie. But because he's got his hands all over, it, it's very, it's coming off of like Blade Runner and stuff. So he's very stylish with his city. Uh, he's got some interesting, um, not, not necessarily a shootout, but two guys looking for each other in an apartment, uh, that plays much more interesting than you think it would, but kind of cheesy stuff i i'd never seen it before but um that, that fits in the black rain territory i like black yeah rain. black rain's fun i mean andy garcia gets, michael like, douglas I mean, doesn't andy garcia michael... get his head chopped off with like a katana in that movie? black rain is pretty black rain is pretty stylish and fun yeah he gets his head chopped off yeah. um no that, it's like a pulpy action movie it just with, very, a, lot of, with a lot of atmosphere we're talking all over this harry dean stanton goes looking for the cat scene which is another just masterwork and pacing intention because it's like there's an alien out here somewhere <laughs> what's gonna happen and the last time we saw it it was this little tiny thing we don't know what to expect right now and every time i watch this movie it's just like it still comes out of nowhere to me as far as it, especially in the director's cut where they show it literally hanging above him but you can't tell what it is because it just looks like the rest of the ship oh it's i love so that good. addition to the director's cut. i think that's so cool that that's the yeah. first time you see the alien in the director's cut yeah the, well, the how would that have played? Alien. You know, it's like it's just part of the ship hanging there. You know. Yeah. This also has, unfortunately, I, I love cats to the end of the earth, but this has one of the truest cat moments in a movie when Harry Dean Stanton is getting killed and the cat is just sort of watching there. silently. <laughs> you know? See, what what I usually rescue. get fascinated with with. Uh movies that hit big and people rip it off or people make a franchise out of it. It's like, what did they pull from that was important from that first film? And we obviously know, you know, the monster and stuff with Cameron, but like this scene feels like alien threes, you know, starting point, like, okay, rain yeah, coming down the chain. Like it, it, this feels like, okay, we're going to make a movie out of this scene. This is so great. This like the, the further layers of the ship that we see and it's like, what is this room? I don't know, but it's got Why chains and cool stuff. It's yeah, yeah. It's, it's so super humid apparently. It must be hot in there, which is like I can't blame him for wanting to get water on his face. There's so much cool like a stab like groundwork laid for how this ship plays, even though it matters mm -hmm. little except for it's a set piece. <laughs> like it's great. Right. Yeah. And this is a huge ship, and I mean they do a yeah. good job making it feel huge. Yeah, it they, feels big. And for some some reason I know how to navigate through it. You know, it's Damn, it's really impressive. Still I do not this know day. how to navigate through it. Yeah, I would need three maps. Especially <laughs> with all dark and wet and everything. <laughs> yeah, this is probably a slippery nightmare, too, walking around this place. <laughs> Jonesy! It's still going. There's, like, so much drawing out of this. It's great. 
you know, a lot of people. Well, are, you don't you don't think for a second that the creature could have grown to this size yet. Yeah, right. You don't yeah. Know what to expect the next time you see it? So it's like, oh, <laughs> it's like fully grown. Like, what if that happened in forty-five minutes? You don't expect that. It, it, yeah. God. And just everything about that is the. I think I talked about this on Aliens. I, I I love Aliens. It's a great movie. I I am not as big of a fan of the alien look as I am in this movie. I like the sure. alien. Mm-hmm. I, I'm less of a fan of the kind of more tactile, dry alien. I agree totally. The, that is a big part of it. Yeah. Something just about the way it just like the the slimes kind of coming off of its like pursing off its lips <laughs> like it just it's so gross, it just feels like ugh, I don't want to be involved in this thing. The others just feel especially because you could just shoot them in the next one even though they still have acid. They just there's so much blasting away of aliens. It feels less threatening. Now that's not the, the intentions different in that movie from a horror yeah, standpoint. Yeah, he had no way to make them scary at that point really. Mm-hmm. Well, you already know what they look like. Yeah, so you have to just make there more of them so there's a threat in that capacity. A terrible I, get, I get that. Yeah. But yeah, in this movie, the idea of just, you know, six people versus this. It's like, and it's like this thing that's so otherworldly that it has a mouth inside of a mouth and it bleeds ass and it's like, what do you do to fight? What is this? Like how do you fight this thing? There's a great moment in the in the cast commentary where where um so one of the, I think it's either someone interviewing like I think there's like an interviewer in there that's helping to ask questions or whatnot. But Todd, someone talks to Tom's Todd's to Tom Scare is like, did you guys like did you did you really need to be that hostile against it? And his response is perfect. He's like, well, if you got a thing that's bleeding hydrochloric acid, you really just got to take care of that situation. <laughs> like, <it's just> <laughs> like... Also, Tom Skerritt's awesome. Like in general, it just seems it just seems like he he's is. a fun guy. Where is where is this where is this for Skerritt? He had done a few Altman. He's in Mash, Up yeah, in he's, Smoke. Yeah, he's, he's what got else the, did he? Because he's more he was, he was more like a, a theater guy. Or something, he was more he, of a right? theater guy, and he hadn't done like too much, like you know, big studio stuff. So yeah, Mash was like a big deal for him. There's a whole AV Club just put out the a random roles article for him. Uh, the other day, which I read, it's just great of him talking about all his various roles. Oh, that's her. cool. They interviewed him. Yeah, they did a random roles for him, which I I love. Those are the group. Those I love those on AV Club where they just get like yeah. a veteran actor and talk about like all of their different roles and just like some of their experiences from them. So they got one on there that's really fun. Um, but yeah, he talks about how like Alien was one where he's like, well, I don't normally do this kind of thing. I'm more of a theater guy, and it was a cheap movie, so I was like, I said no the first couple times, and then they're like, all right, let's see what we can do. Like really seeing Ridley Scott's Duelist is what convinced him to be a part of this thing. Duelist was oh, like really? a huge call. It was a huge call card movie for like everybody. It seemed for Ridley Scott. It's like okay, I get this guy yeah. seems to have some chops. Let's see what he can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Scarlett's good. Underrated actor. He's always good. I, I yeah. I I was trying to think. Is he underrated? Like I guess it is because I don't see him in the same way I see other like veteran actors that are still doing it. But yeah, like he's always good like, well we're I, not I, in the I mean, scared scare nation like either so yeah we're not yeah it's not scared fever anymore like in the mid 90s with picket fences which i watched and was a good show <laughs> he was good on picket fences. he has that redford thing where he is really good looking guy and he doesn't really have a huge amount of range but he really holds the the scene really well and is really intense on screen you know uh-huh. it's hard critics don't generally appreciate like those kind of guys but oh, yeah, I think... that's why like william peterson isn't around all the time anymore either. yeah right. The, the the epitome of intense actors. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I think the last time I saw Scarrett was like he has a cameo in like the first Ted, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it he's like with one of the characters yeah. who like and like he, he, it's it's just fun that like of all people, Tom Scarrett I think that's the joke to begin with, that Tom Scarrett of all people is the guy that's like in on some like random cameo joke, but it's it's still funny. 
Well, I mean, he, he, got, he was, was also in... Uh, how old was he in this one? How old is he in this one? Uh, he's he's 85 now, so he was 45. <laughs> he's 85. Wow. Yeah. Well, he was in, uh, like, tw- Poltergeist 3. Poltergeist like, toward, 3. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, so he... I don't know. Rough. He helps elevate that movie. I mean, him and Nancy Allen, I mean... There's some oh, good you know, stuff no. in that movie, but the last the last time there I saw Scarrett cool was the reflection stuff in that movie. Yeah, yeah. The last the last time I saw Scarrett was in the last Harry Dean Stanton movie, Lucky, which is really good. Okay. Oh, was he uh, Scarrett in that too? I yeah, he has a that. small he has a small part in there, and they both talk about their experiences um, in the military. And Harry Dean Stanton was actually in the Navy. Um, and he actually served up the the Pacific Theater in World War II. He tells like a real story of what happened. He he was like a chef or something like that. It's but it's a nice scene of like oh it's a fun alien reunion with Tom Scarrett and Harry Dean. Stanton. Yeah. Wasn't Harry Dean Stanton dating Rebecca De Mornay around this time? I have no idea, but mm-hmm. he's Harry Dean Stanton. He was probably dating. I think Rebecca. Risky Business era. He was dating Rebecca De Mornay. Interesting woman. Then she went off with Leonard Cohen, which is also interesting. Good taste. So, 1979, Tom Skerritt, lead of this movie, presumably, is now mm-hmm. going after the alien. We just saw it kill Harry Dean Stanton. What do we think is going to happen in all this right now? Yeah, like, I mean, a run-in injury, but, I mean, this is a good passing the, literally the torch yeah, scene to, to, Ridley, torch, yeah. to Ripley, um, but this is an intense sequence. Yeah, because, like for one thing, this this scenario is terrifying, <laughs> like, you've already got to, especially if you're watching this for, like, first time in a theater or just in the dark, mm-hmm. where, like, there's a thing out there, it's huge, they have no idea what it looks like, they don't know that it's that big. They know I mean, something. They know something attacked their man. But they like, do a reprise of it in the next film. Mm-hmm. Um, but but here you're like you're watching this yeah. guy go through these tiny holes with these weird doors closing behind him. It's completely dark. It's like how is he supposed to fight this? Like how... yeah. I think Everybody's this scene is quiet. also the basis for the uh, Atari Twenty Six Hundred game of Alien. Yeah, <laughs> which is just Pac Man. But it, I think this must be you got a little flamethrower when you're going around little corridors speaking of which, by the alien speaking of which the alien video the recent alien video game um alien is it isolation um yeah. yeah it it's terrific it really it really pays tribute to this movie specifically where you you play ellen ripley's daughter and she's on mm-hmm. a mission to try to find out what happened to her mother and it you can't fight the alien in that movie you, it's a very much it's based heavily in stealth where you have to you if the aliens around you just have to hide there's nothing you can do you wow. can't it's it's really cool how it does it too like it it can get you can like hide in lockers and it'll get close and the the controller starts shaking because your like heartbeat's mm-hmm. going really fast you just you can't do anything to fight it and if it finds you it kills you instantly um, so it's it's a very clever game as far as maximizing the tension based around a thing you cannot fight whatsoever, and it also has creepy robots all over the ships that you're on and stuff. So it's it's, it's a really well done game. Aren't there? Scare? I, I I haven't followed video games in years, but it must be really scary. Right? It is no, I and I and I like playing horror games in the dark. Like I can't, I don't like having yeah, so I, I make right. it purposefully more scary for myself. There was an alien game on like the original PlayStation that was freaky. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Back in the day, that you just you know basically this you know wandering around ship corridors looking for looking for a xenomorph. Yeah, but... it was a alien trilogy. It was a first person. Yeah, movie. yeah, that was yeah. it. Yeah. Um, there's I a lot of like alien. I mean, we talked about this before. Alien is a big property for Fox. Like it, you know, it seems so weird just because it's like I guess a horror sci-fi thing and it has its sequels. But like it is a thing that the studios relied on for years. Yeah, I mean, there are aliens six entries. Our, yeah, <laughs> aliens had a one of. 
awesome arcade game back in the day. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, and they've always, you know, novels um, have been big, yeah. comics, crossing over with the Predator. The toys, obviously. I mean, you can make all kinds of Xenomorph toys, and they're, like, it's just, there's a lot there. Now, let's stop for a second so we can talk about this. Because <laughs> Dallas is, like, he's all over the place. We don't Give know me what's happening. And there it is. Like, oh, my God. Like, it's great. I... Didn't they, didn't they recently do um, uh, like short films or something? I haven't watched them. Yeah, but, yeah. Okay. the 40th yeah, anniversary, yeah, Fox yeah. like let a bunch of people like they just said like hey, everybody submit your short films regarding Alien. We'll see okay. What happens. And from what I didn't watch any of them, I, I haven't either. But I've heard there's some that are actually like, really good. Like I, mm-hmm. I saw on Twitter, like a lot of directors like retweeting or saying like you know like hey check these ones out because it's pretty good. And I uh you know it's funny um we oh, were... the play we should talk about the play. Oh yes, the yeah. uh, the that the, the Weaver introduced. After yeah, the high, like a high school put on a, a a theatrical reproduction of Alien, and like it leaked, and Ridley Scott and Sigourney Weaver like found out about this, and Ridley Scott like wrote a letter, and Sigourney Weaver actually showed up to a to what and, the um and Disney the, didn't sue the, so the encore the, the encore pre- the encore performance of the play. Yeah, and I've watched bits of like someone recorded it and they put it online. I've watched a good portion of it. Like it's really well done. The way they do the alien is very clever. Like it goes yeah. into the audience and everything. It's really cool. It's awesome. And yeah, the fact that like Ridley Scott and Sigourney Weaver, like this is awesome. Good job, guys. Like that's yeah. such a, like a cool thing for like a high school drama class to experience. Heck yeah. A, let alone Ripley showing up to the damn play. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I don't want to like steer like way back to Prometheus and Covenant, but um, you know, as as con- controversial or mixed as those movies are, um, you guys think they're better than Alien Three, um, Four, and the AVP movies? I like Prometheus, maybe th- third or fourth best of the whole franchise. Right, like I'm gonna come out and honestly and say I like it the second best. I, you, like it, you like it more than Aliens. I, 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 I loved Aliens for years and years, but recently I've been more turned off by the sort of cigar chomping. It didn't last time I last few times I watched it. I'm like, you know, I, I think I appreciate the, the crazy sci-finess of Prometheus more than the very remarkable achievement of Aliens. I, I think I like. I think Aliens would be third place for me, which is sacrilege, I know, but I have a I have a letterboxed list of the. Alien Predator franchise. <laughs> I'm trying to pull it up right now, but yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's, I thought the first Alien vs. Predator was pretty fun. Um, it is. No, I, 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 I tend to like Paul W.S. Anderson's non-Resident Evil movies. So. Yeah, me too. Isn't that? Yeah, me too. Yeah, because I, I like that. I'm not a big soldier fan, but I like that. I like Mortal Kombat. I like Event Horizon. We've did Event Horizon. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I like his. Alien I like his steampunk movie. Three Musketeers movie. I think that one's a lot of fun. Like I ever saw that. It's it's fun. It's a fun movie. Like for me, it's three. It's like, well, what else can we do with Three Musketeers? Well, <laughs> make it steampunk. Like that's fun. I get that. His what? His Death Race remake isn't bad. It's just like not bad. It's a not very bad. violent Mario Kart. <laughs> like that's what. Yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. Even Covenant, I have above Alien Three and mm-hmm. Resurrection. So yeah, like we're we're getting better movies, but people don't like them. Like you wanted better, you got it, but you're I don't still know not what happy. the problem is. The Prometheus—that's really where the internet comes in. The Prometheus thing, like the movie did pretty well, and the reviews initially were pretty good. 
But then that sort of internet voice really caught on to the two or three moments that they thought were silly. And that became the only thing that anyone talks about in a movie that presents a hundred interesting ideas. People mm-hmm. just talk about the way the ship, the way they run in the shadow of the ship and the way the co- the guy acts with the Cobra thing. And it's like, yeah, whatever. Maybe those things don't work, but there's so much else going on in that movie. How can you not see it? At this point, I don't even see how they don't really work. Where the Cobra thing, it's like it's a step. It it comes down to, which is generally most for me. What what, what I'm going to say, it's what 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 it what it generally comes down to these days is people just don't pay attention because like that scene, they're both very high. Like they've established that it's like that's why they're Mm -hmm. doing stupid things because they're high. (laughs) Like yeah, and the giant spaceship thing. I mean, I still get rubbed a little bit the wrong way. At the same time, it's like, well, it is a pretty crazy scenario. I don't know what I would do in that situation. I yeah, it's yeah. But how big is that ship that's that you've been running to the left? Ian Holm being in the fucking thing right here. Really save you? Well, the same thing. Yeah. How do you know how big it is? Would running in either direction save you, or would you just try to get out of the shadow of it as fast as you could? Uh, but it just doesn't even matter. It, those things when they become memes like that, no one is listening to reason anymore, and it becomes mm-hmm. so pleasing to some people to share those memes and agree about those things and be dismissive of a big expensive movie and a big famous director it's all tied back into i could do a better job and it's just it's 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 weird it's it's weird i i i, I i'm willing to listen to your argument aaron that it's really just the the internet that that, that has these weird this weird voice but i don't know i i, I I, I don't really want to talk about it right now. I want to talk about that shot where Ripley's talking to Mother and then Ian Holmes sitting right there in the thing next to him. It's crazy. Like, it's just so, it's so creepy. Like, it's great that, like, this movie... It's such a weird... It's a weird pivot for a movie where it's like, we have aliens. What are we doing with this? We, it's all crazy. It's scary. Alien. That's great. What else? Oh, there's Why a robot she, in yeah. here, too. Why it's is like, he swe- <laughs> what, is he sweating? Uh, there's milk. a robot in this movie. That's such a, like... That's a move you can't make very often and make that work as successfully as it does. Where you have a movie called Alien, you're seeing nothing but alien threats, and they're like, you know what? This second act could really use a robot right now, and they make it work. Well, I like that Scott allows her to tower over him, too, in the shots. Like, Mm -hmm. somebody, especially in the 70s, they might have apple-boxed, you know, Ian Holm, so he looks on the wavelength of Sigourney Weaver. Ian Ian Holm's a great choice for a a robot. Like, it's Mm -hmm. such, because he's so, like, diminutive in stature, and he's, you know... Even just the way he stands, it kind of, you know, it just, you might as well cast Warwick Davis. Like, it's just a small kind of character they, like, have right here. And yet, you know, now he's opened up and he's like, no, this guy's, you know, (laughs) you can't mess with this thing. He's Mm otherworldly or whatever you want to call it right here. There's something here where Ridley Scott points out that, like, it's the most haunting thing in the whole movie is for a moment, Ian Holm shows that the robot may have had a thought or an emotion where Mm -hmm. it shouldn't. But it's tossed in a very casual, and you might not catch it way. Yeah, he takes this moment and expands it into two films so far. I mean, for all the complaints people seem to have about Prometheus and Covenant, I like that everyone's at least grasped onto the fact that Michael Fassbender is amazing in those movies. Mm-hmm. Great. Because he is amazing in those movies. Like, he's terrific. And the whole Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, the Peter thing O'Toole thing in the first one. Choice. Yeah. And then, like, you know what's better than one Michael Fassbender in your movie? Two. And so they give you two more in the next one. Boy, that, that scene in Covenant, man, with the flute is really something else. Mm-hmm. Bringing back some of the weird sexual undertones that, that are so prevalent in this, where the alien, where, where the, the robot bleeds what looks like semen, frankly, and then he tries to kill her by shoving this rolled-up magazine in her mouth. It's very sexual oh. without being literally sexual. When his that's head a, comes off, that always a great, big yeah. jump. 
Yeah. Big jump scare. That's a good time to bring up Jerry Goldsmith's amazing score for this movie. Mm-hmm. He, um, oh, great score. Which he and Ridley Scott thought about heavily um, <laughs> as far as how much music they're supposed to be. Fortunately, on the Blu-rays, you can get an isolated score track that has the all the original Jerry Goldsmith cues. Yep. Um, for both cuts of the movie. Yeah, which is very worthwhile. If you want to, especially because this movie works very effectively just by hearing that score because it's terrific. And it's it crazy that like the, ne- space, you know? the the score for the sequel would be just as iconic. Like it's, yeah, yeah. if not more so when it comes to yeah. like action movie trailers. Oh yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> like James that was War- used every trailer. Wait, and this and the same problem. James Cameron and James Horner did not get along in that score. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like and he that... didn't. He used them again on Titanic because he he likes something he did where he's like, I guess I'll have you back. <laughs> and then Titanic, yeah, for sure. He had some like he did he did some other movie and and Cameron was like I I wonder if it was the is it did he do Dragonheart is the Dragonheart one of his scores um Burger, he did some movie and Cameron was like without well, no it was Braveheart it was Braveheart mm. he did Bra- the Braveheart score Cameron really liked that and he's like come on to my ridiculous Heaven's Gate Titanic movie that I'm making let's, let's see what we can do that's interesting I always wondered why they were like bag sort of bagpipes in the Titanic score I thought it was just a Braveheart thing. But I guess it was. <laughs> yeah, it's like do that again, but more romantic. <laughs> yeah, this is great stuff. All this mm-hmm. like model work and everything to like make this robot thing. Well, and out. his his head looks great too. The yeah. uh, prosthetic one where it's not, mm-hmm. you know, a live person. It it's super convincing and, and the, the perfect level of cutting too. Just cutting away, like you get enough of it to be like, okay, mm-hmm. there it is. Cut away from it, cut back, and now he's you know Ian Holm again, and it's like, yeah, perfect. Like there's no, you can do that with CG these days. You don't you don't have to do it here, but it still works just if not better. Mm-hmm. Like uh, what Mission Impossible Three has maybe one of the best examples where they put in the mat, the fake mat, fake Philip Seymour Hoffman mask on Tom oh, Cruise, yeah. and yeah. it just circles around him a couple times. And you think it happens in one spot, but it doesn't. And then it happens in, within the same scene. It's just mm-hmm. seamless. What's Ian Holm done at this point? Uh, probably a lot of theater, right? I'd imagine you know, yeah. all, the, all the British actors need to do nothing but theater. It's amazing that all of these, except for what Stanton, everybody's still alive. <laughs> Everyone's still kicking it, you know? When does he play Napoleon? Is that Time Bandits? That's a couple years later, yeah, right? Yeah, later. Yeah, that's that's 81. Yeah. No, he played... Okay, so... Well, he played uh, Napoleon on TV in 74. Oh, did he? Yeah. Because he's little. <laughs> 81's, right. time, 81's Time Bandits and Chariots of Fire. It's a big year for... Uh, Chariots of Fire, yeah. And then there it was uh, Greystoke. He's in. Yeah, he's not... I don't see... Let's see, I'm getting on the 70s. Let's see. Yeah, there's a lot um, of t- there's some TV stuff. Mary Queen of Scots. Yeah, like, it's uh, old ones. Um, and I think these are all like you know supporting players and. He's you know, Ro- King John and Robin and Marion. Shout oh, out to that movie. The yeah, Lester movie. That's a great yeah. movie. And John shout out the devil. He's in that. I'm surprised uh, Richard Lester wasn't considered for this movie. <laughs> Let's see. So it's it's after this that he really takes off, then, right? Right. Maybe this is his American jump. Did Ian Holm really take off? I mean, just he's in he's in more notable stuff after Alien than before Alien. Yeah, he's in a yeah. more visible, you know, the big American studios. He's in a more visible film. 
Yeah. So yeah. he's going to inspire someone to be like, I want that guy who was the robot and alien. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, then he's working with, yeah, he's got the couple, t- he got, he's in Brazil also. He's got a couple Terry Gilliams. Right. Yes, Brazil. Yeah, that's right. He's a great actor, you know. He's in a Woody Allen, Another Woman, which is like a little later, I guess, in the 80s. Yeah, Greystoke. Good movie. Everyone's favorite Tarzan movie. Greystoke. Not bad movie. <laughs> And then, like, the 90s, he's just, like, all over the place as far as supporting roles. Cause he's... Big Night, he was in. Remember Big Night? The only two yeah. movies, great in that. Big Night's on uh, Prime Prime right now. It's on the top of my Oh, and also, the I other, uh, Mr., Mr., what's it called? Mr., the third Stanley Tucci, he was the lead in Joe Somebody's Secret. What is that movie called? Joe Gould's Secret? Joe Gould's Secret, yeah. That's a very good movie, too. He's the lead in that. Yeah. He went back to space with the fifth element. Yeah, and of course, those Lord of the Rings movies. People saw those. That's where he really blew up with Lord of the Rings. <laughs> well, that was more of like, I mean, yes, he blew up because anybody in those kind of you know caught fire. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, you get you already have what you have Ian McKellen as Gandalf. So it's like, well, we need someone for Bilbo. It's like, okay, Ian, Holt, like that's a it's a it's a good get. Yeah. He, yeah. he feels like an older actor that could effectively play a Hobbit of that stature. Mm-hmm. Again, I love short. I love Napoleon and Bilbo Baggins. It's, they're telling you something. Yeah. <laughs> I love this work with the little shuttle here, where they establish mm-hmm. where it is on the ship outside, how small, you know. Just, yeah. So fantastic. Cool. And they're great models. Like they don't feel yeah. like they're small or like. You know, it's, it's so I, detailed. It's funny. Well, like after, after watching, you know, <laughs> a dozen Godzilla movies last month where I see a lot of models and they look very much like models. It's like, okay, this is a nice change of pace to watch this movie where every model feels like it's something real and big. It's funny. I don't even mind models look like models anymore. <laughs> I don't mind it, but it's just, this is a notable, there's a notable difference yeah. in scale in terms of how it's filmed compared to Godzilla where it's like, yeah, those are just toy cars. <laughs> Lighting is also a huge part here. Yeah. Who's the cinematographer here? Oh, I had it up. It's, um... Derek Van Lint, hmm. uh, who, let's see, what else is he? Not many things. Alien, Dragon Slayer, X Men. Oh, Dragon Slayer is <laughs> a nice looking movie too. X Men, the, the, the yeah, they must have requested. Give me the guy who shot Alien. <laughs> I like Dragon Slayer. That's interesting. Interesting. It was. I mean, he okay. He did. He did some special it, effects stuff on X Men. It's Newton Thomas Siegel because that's Siegel. That's the singer singer's guy. Newton Thomas Siegel. Mm-hmm. Um, he did he some did, work on X-Men, yeah. He didn't do much. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> like, I, I, like, what's his expertise? Well, he shot six films and directed three. One of them was Alien, though. Hmm. Maybe he just hates being a cinematographer. And he passed away, died in 2010. Yeah. Well, okay, so his X-Men uh, work was uh, just miniature f- photography. He yeah, wasn't... Just the, yeah. yeah. Shoot. They must have watched this and said, let's get that guy. They must have, because it, you, like you guys are saying, the miniature is so... How do we make our mutant film work? You know that guy that aliens? <laughs> or alien? I about who did Alien. I wonder who designed Alien. Oh, it's this guy. Oh, now I want to know where the miniatures were in X-Men. Probably in Magneto's island prison. Uh, yeah. And like the, probably the Statue of Liberty is probably there's a miniature model of that and stuff. And the, the, the Blackbird. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's true. Even probably Professor X's mansion. Gosh damn, I'm I'm fascinated with that thing that's overhead with the screens right now. They just yeah, mm-hmm. and you th- think like, man, this had to be expensive as hell. No, <laughs> no, 
Yes and no. Pinewood again when they built this? Gosh. Uh, Yeah, Pinewood, yeah. Granted, a lot of it's dark and stuff, but still, I mean, just the level of details here is just insane. And the thought process behind, like, like really, Scott's like, what's this do? And he could tell you a billion times over what it's for. This is nonstop tension, by the way, because the aliens out there, like, it's never, yeah. it's still like, it's still a thing that exists. Like, they're, they have this whole plan now of like, I guess just blow this shit up and get out of here. But like, the, the thing well, is out there somewhere right now. Well, and the and the crazy thing is the only time it breaks up a casual scene is when it first appears and it bursts out of Hurt's chest. Mm-hmm. Like it could have shown up at, at any time from yeah, anywhere. No, this movie holds back so much as far as what like if it was made today, which yeah. I guess Covenant kind of does as far because there's a lot more people to kill. Um, like it's much more of a slasher movie. Like it, you know, it, it shows up constantly in different points. This movie is like, it's not gonna happen. Like it just, just doesn't come out. It can. The threat's there, and here it is right now, speaking of the mm-hmm. devil. But um, it, just, it really holds back on this thing. I love that use of the silhouette, by the way, too, because we don't see it move very much. Mm-hmm. And that's like yeah. one of the that's one of the faster moments it has as far as when it walks into that room. Right, there's that one. Do we already see that one unconvincing shot where it's kind of walking, but it's a little too smooth? Is that that's in what this I'm, sequence? That's, yeah, that's what I was just saying. Like it, it, It's the only time where it kind of moves quicker, it seems. Yeah. But you don't see it. It's all silhouette, so it's like... No, I there's can... a shot you see where it's like approaching somebody and it's clearly not uh, Well, that's walking. coming up. That's yeah. coming up. Look at that. But it's still because it's giving you more and more of a money shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you really don't get the whole thing until the end. Right. Which is standard, anyway. Same with, like, Jaws or whatever. Which, I, w- I will say, like, compared to the the next one, like, there, there are plenty of times where the aliens in the next one feels... Like dude in costume. Yeah. Or just like a puppet with, you know, a bunch of slime inside of it or whatever. Yeah. It's convincingly done, but still, you, you, you're you able enough to suspend um, your, you know, you're able to believe it. But. I, I, th- I think a lot of it has to do with how wet this movie is. Like, right. It's like that, that just adds an extra sense of terror to me. Like all this slime, Yafik Koto, like, you know, trying to get through all this stuff right here. It just... It's just so tense. There it is. That shot where the yeah. of its hands, where it's like, come to me. Yeah, yeah. And then this weird implication right here with the tail going up the back of her leg. The actual, again, weird. Which mm-hmm. I know they cut They cut this sequence down. It was a lot bloodier originally. Yeah. And she, and lo- yeah, yeah loses her suit. It, it comes down to more implication, which is terrifying in its own. Especially with the, roar, with the screaming and stuff going on in the hallway right here. It's just, that's really spooky. Well, I like the, the siren lights, too. Oh yeah, a nice, nice little touch. Oh, this movie runs the gamut in great lighting in, the, in like, like its final twenty minutes, like all the different. Once like the alarms start going off, it turns completely red for a while. Like there's just a lot of good stuff going on. Have you guys ever read Pauline Kale's review of this? No. Did you hate it? She did not like it. She said it was a. It was. She she said it was another movie about a gorilla in a haunted house. So she described it as. There were there were a lot of like critic negative reviews on this, weren't there? I uh, think there's there, there not was an overwhelming certain, amount. Certain... Right. This is more of an audience uh, win well, than it was. Ebert loved it. I'm sure. I mean, there were definitely yeah, enough no, Ebert, it's, like, it it's was... one of the it's one of the great movies for Ebert. Yeah, you know, this. I think the forward-thinking critics loved this when it came out. There was still a very conservative 
group of critics who didn't like graphic violence and were basically any movie that had gore would get slapped with one star, like John Carpenter's right. The Thing. Um, and I think there's, there's, there's still, I read a review recently, there's still a certain uh, segment of the critics who think that the movie is too regressive and just sort of being, as you call it, a slasher movie or a haunted house movie, that it's got all this science fiction cred, but then it just comes down to people sneaking around uh, hallways with you know guns and flamethrowers and stuff. But, and what's wrong with that? exactly i was just gonna say that well what's the problem that's well done i mean it's the kind of thing where it's reductionist where you can do that to any movie i mean yeah you you can do that to a lot of dramas as far as like it's just some smart people talking like i mean it's like what are you trying to do it's all about style and acting and the and skill and the directorial work i mean there's so many elements going on here it's like i gave you a paper with an idea how'd you you know paint the picture you know it's uh, most movies have just a core to them it's who made it how they decorated the core you know it's so much goes into it. There's only so many ideas. This stuff, this is all process stuff that I love as far as her having to like do these very specific things to get the self-destruct sequence going. And so then by the time she has to reverse it, it's like, you didn't do the other thing with the thing with the stuff. Like, it's just it's so like, yeah. deliberate in what it's telling you. Makes sense. And is this where the, the scene would have been? Um, the The major cut scene from this movie? Yeah, it's around this point where, so yeah, the, the the big deleted sequence here is that we don't see what happens with um with with uh, Dallas and with Kane, it, Brett. Sorry, what? Harry Dallas and Brett. Yeah, it's Brett. Brett. Uh, who is Kane? Why do I keep saying Kane? Kane's <laughs> the the robot. Kane's John Hurt. John. Okay, yeah, John Hurt. Ash, yeah, Ash, Ash, Ash is the robot. robot. Sorry, all these, sorry, one, all these one syllable names. Um, uh, yeah, we don't see what happens with them when they presumably die they don't die there's a big wall of them being cocooned and turning into new eggs for, for the aliens uh, for i guess for new facehuggers to be born it's disgusting and very sad and ripley's like oh i guess i'm gonna burn you guys because they're because dallas is like kill me kill yeah me. <laughs> yeah which was which was a very like almost kind of urban legend-esque scene for a long time I don't imagine uh, you don't see and uh kind of but back in the day like the well, if you're wondering why people have <laughs> the aliens right there, it's just yeah, the the the, the it, sorry. Yeah. If you're wondering why people have an obsession with like uh, vintage uh, paperback novelizations nowadays and stuff like that, um, it's kind of a, yeah. a great bonus feature because those were based off shooting scripts and not final because they wanted the book to come out at the time of the movie, so they had to give the author time, and a lot of deleted material would be in those novelizations and that scene in particular because i read the novel of, of alien was in uh the book so sometimes a lot of times back in the day you're like man the author just went off his course and did his own thing no they were going off a shooting script um and then you have to wonder did they sh- actually get to shoot that scene or not was it shot and then you know thanks to dvd and fox embracing the alien series you know we got to see that and they've also incorporated have, like, with lobby cards a lot yeah, a lobby cards. Yeah, lobby cards. Have like a scene that's deleted. You know, Batman versus Bob. Yep. People analyzing trailer. That's why Bob's an action figure. I had the Bob the action figure. Wait, what'd you say? Is that a black hole thing? There was a. Was there? Was there a lobby card or something there? There's a lobby card for uh, Tim Burton's Batman, where uh, Batman is fighting Bob, the main henchman for the Joker, and that, and it was obviously during the. Uh, during the uh, art gallery chase sequence, and oh, it right. never appeared in the movie. But he like he has his own action figure where he like kicks, and I had that action figure, Bob. That's the Goon. right, the Tracy Walter. Yeah, there was an action figure. Yeah, Bob the Goon. Because there's only there's only like three. It was like Batman, Joker, and Bob. Bob, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 
There was no Vicky Vale because girl toys don't sell. That was the right. Was, no uh, Alexander Knox. That, that was still the model. No Alexander Knox. Yes. Yeah. No. He's got a fighting character. No, you could you could buy a bat in a in a in a surgical mask. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like how uh, Ripley's pissed off at mother. <laughs> you can't turn the right. thing off. All of both this these stuff first is great, two, though. the first this one, and what'd you say? All of this stuff of just like all these corridors and there's the strobe lighting, the shit, the the light, the light coming through the grates, the steam, like it's just all so great, so much great of effective atmosphere work. Again, because the alien could be anywhere potentially, it could yeah. be anywhere. This would inspire. Okay, Cameron me. did a good job, sort of repeating this this sort of cataclysmic yeah. Oh, yeah. sirens and smoke, and in the last twenty minutes, it feels so huge. Do, well, this would, now that's this, interesting. Why is why is the why is the cocooning a- idea in Aliens if it was cut out? Because Cameron knew that. Cameron built oh, off of it. He, he liked the idea, but he didn't follow it the same way. He created the queen instead of having the people morph into uh, the eggs. So back on that ship from earlier, we're supposed to assume something else became those eggs. Yeah, right. Well, it seems okay. like there's just multiple ways to make eggs. I suppose in <laughs> that logic. But yeah, the queen's more of like a you know a rapidly producing generator of eggs as opposed to there's the old-fashioned way where you just need to take a human and you morph it into one. <laughs> uh, was this the first movie that Giger was involved in, other than Dune, obviously, which didn't happen? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I look that up now. Let me see. You know, this ending would inspire like every Resident Evil video games <laughs> ending. Yeah. The alien, by the way, is portrayed by Balaji Bajejo. A Nigerian man, a visual artist, he wanted to be a graphic designer. Um, he came into this movie, had success, but never returned. Didn't come back for the sequels. He didn't become more of a success, but he compared that apparently to like Boris Karloff or people that played monsters, but didn't really, mm-hmm. people didn't really recognize them outside of the costumes and stuff. But mm-hmm. he went back to Nigeria, uh, opened an art gallery, but sadly died. 39, 1992. Oh. Yeah, I remember when he passed away. Yeah, he had, uh, he had sickle cell. Complications. Oh, I see. Yeah. So he left his mark. I'm old enough, unfortunately, to have had the giant alien toy that came out when this movie came out. There was a giant foot tall. You know, for kids. For kids. <laughs> and I loved it. I took I mean I took baths with that thing. I loved it so much. But like it it wasn't scary to me at all. And yet, God, that's a really horrifying creature. Well, you gotta take baths with it so you can get it wet so it looks accurate. Yes, exactly. I may have been too revealing a comment. I took a lot of bad <laughs> I broke it to so many pieces. All I had was the head for the longest time. Just the head, which is like a gun with a trigger in the back. If you pull the trigger, the little teeth shot out. But the oh, teeth nice. were also locked. <laughs> Poor thing. Great toy, though. Yeah, I had a lot. I mean, with the Alien movie, I mine was more so novels and comics when I was younger. Like the Dark Horse? comics yeah so dark horse yeah and i was you know wanting that alien v versus predator movie i was Mm. like thinking you know at the time it's like well this is it i don't think they're gonna make any more alien you know right that weird period before the nostalgia sort of kicked in (laughs) well we got resurrection (laughs) in that time so it's like oh a new one yeah resurrection got what i wanted (laughs) i guess or what i deserved is a lot of people, you know, I was one of them that didn't get the Alien 3. I would never was totally pissed about Alien 3, but I understood people's... But now I think it's a better and bold move, what they did, than 
what they could have done. It's the right. It's a, it's a really smart movie, and it was the right thing to do. But something doesn't work about it. So I don't know what it is. The acting is good. Everything's good, but it I always think feels like it's just trying to go back to small after being so big. That's always the excuse I give myself. Is that it's I think to it's too testosterone it. heavy, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It's that's, just too that's... too much of the kind of the bald bald, bald dudes that all look like guys, Jason Statham. Yeah. Like it's just I... it's a lot. Uh, some it after you make Ripley such a strong character in the second one, reducing her down, um, in the way that they do and taking away the things that she gained, like I, it's the kind of thing where like I get the and that's like kind of something I get appreciate about Covenant where it's like oh you like nihilism in Alien Three, we're gonna up that tremendously in this movie, but that one it has like the it it feels it feels, it feels like a proto seven as far as David Fincher's kind of work in the in movies because it's like yeah. it's a much nastier movie than aliens and it just it the tone just hits you it hits you hard because you're already dealing with a lot of loss and then you have this woman stuck in this horrible men's prison on top of that for all the atmosphere the alien stuff is just kind of like there it's just kind of like oh there's a cg alien now i guess it's not, not really the awesome. worst villain she must face it it weirdly has one of the most iconic images of the franchise with the shot of her against the wall with the yeah. alien's teeth coming out next to it yeah. like that's, well, that's a great I, shot i think i said on that commentary i think that's weaver's best performance in the roles the third one probably to be quite she's, honest. she's got yeah, a lot so. to do in that yeah well yeah she's the star of the show and like you know they worked it around her essentially you know as far as how to make her you know give her a lot to do for that mm-hmm which is why ideally Resurrection could have worked as well because they paid her a ton of money to come back yeah. to it. It's uh, it, the Escape from LA of the Alien sequels. I think Resurrection's okay. It's interesting at that point. This it really almost by accident becomes the story of this woman who hasn't been back to Earth in hundreds and hundreds of years. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And that one is even much, much farther in the future than the rest of these, right? Doesn't that jump way into the future in the timeline? Right. Yeah, it's it's super, yeah. It's... And you know, it's funny. These have kind of, were kind of, before it, these were like the Mission Impossibles of its time, where they get a director, it reflects the director, pretty much. Yeah. The first four. That's true. They would go ahead and interesting guys who added their own stamp, which is cool. I wonder where Jeanette would be if Alien Resurrection was better received. Mm-hmm. After that, he no, he was late. made for making American big budget American movies, but I mean that was his one. Yeah, well, I mean <laughs> maybe he goes back and well, just does whatever. Amelie after that? Yeah, Amelie's after that, but that's well, not a big budget fine. American movie. Like, you know, yeah, but I mean maybe he's, he's not, not really. I mean, you know, some sensibilities just don't jive with American. I mean, it's like that. I would see both a little bit like a Terry Gilliam alien if there was a Terry Gilliam alien, you know, which would also yeah. be kind of weird. But he's been given big budget. I mean, his biggest movie is Twelve Monkeys, which was a huge hit. Well, he had two huge hits in a row for a while. Terry Gilliam was box office gold there with Fisher King and Twelve Monkeys. Hard to believe. Yeah, the the '90s were better than him than for him than, the, than most of the rest of the stuff. It's been rough, yeah, yeah, since then. But so the aliens right there in the shot, by the way. Right. Yeah. Like, can you see <laughs> him already? But yeah, yeah, yeah. he's right there. He just he's, looks he's like right, one of the pipes. He's to the left of Ripley. Yeah, he's so, sleeping like a kitten. I love that. Exactly, he's just sitting there. He's just there. It's perfect. He even sort of gets up slow like a kitten, which is cool. <laughs> like he can't quite come out. It is kind of yeah, kind of like bundles himself together so he can get out of his little hole. Little bump. That's perfect. Head, that's a great. That's a great one. Mm-hmm. Those fingers are great too. That's another question. Okay, fingers. so now, so now she's got out of the ship. She's blowing it up. 
what what do you expect to happen here it's like what, what's an audience thinking at this point in this movie it's like well, well, it's just wrapping things up i guess yeah like uh yeah guess she's gonna fly into some base and tell everybody what happened she plays it now, really this well. Does not feel Ringer. exploitive to me. I don't know how you guys feel about. it. Do you guys feel like this? This is exploitive that he gets her down to her underwear. It doesn't feel like she's weak or or, or, or objectified exactly. I, I don't it's think it's done in that. I don't think it's done in that way. I think it's very clearly mm-hmm. done in a way of getting someone to the, kind of their most innocent, like uh, the shower scene in yeah. Psycho. Yeah, yeah, getting them to a place they're most vulnerable. I guess right. the way I put mm-hmm. it. Where it's like you think the movie's over. Let's get in our underwear and go to bed. No, the movie's yeah. not over yet. What so yeah, to it's the not. Cat? I don't think it, it's not trying to... to. What? Whatever happens to Jones? Does Jones does is cat... left on the? Jones, she leaves Jones on space on station. The space yeah. station and aliens. Oh, she's like, in, you're, in, he's in like, you're staying one. here. I mean, people That's are right. angry about Newt and Hicks not making it to Alien Three. Uh, they dog Jonesy bad. He's from the original. Jones long dead, man. <laughs> Poor thing. Oh, they cloned her. <laughs> it's probably, um, Jones probably runs Earth by now. Yeah. Which, you know, it's uh, interesting. We we talk about Jeanette, but like a lot of Whedon frameworks in in uh, Resurrection as well with, you know, yeah. Firefly. That's like his pilot for that almost. I was behind him in line at Laser Blazer one time. He was disparaging. They had a poster of Alien Resurrection. He was giving them a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> got to imagine an audience at this point is just completely hushed and wrapped you know by because it also is in a lot of ways building on halloween and the exorcist and these things that had been like terror experiences for people you know Mm -hmm. like i think i think the 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 chest burster scene is probably an attempt to sort of capture some of that exorcist you know shock value oh for sure oh yeah yeah and it works (laughs) And rather than, yeah, and then the Xenomorph very much a Michael Myers thing, and instead of just, you know, here's another guy in a mask, it's take it to another level. Well, just the idea that, almost the idea that movies before this era sort of would stop at a certain point, and these movies kept going another act and really rung you out, you know, like that was a new sort of progression, I think. Well, it's smart enough to know that, you know, the base blows up, it's you know you don't get to see a personal kill with the alien. It's very distant and cold. And here we go. We just we're gonna face to face take care of it. I like that. It just stays there. It's like, yeah, yep. you always know if you didn't see the thing get killed, it's still alive. Right. I like that after it reveals a, itself, yeah. it's just still kind of sitting in its little hole. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like yeah, you can't wake it up. Can't wake up too fast. Well, I mean, yeah, it's better than you know. Showing the countdown, then a close-up of the alien, the xenomorph screaming, and then an explosion. That's just, you know. This is so well, it's not, yeah, especially for a movie that, that you know, this, while it's taking place in a giant ship in outer space, it still feels pretty intimate. So, yeah, the idea yeah. of just being like, oh, and then they blew it up in the end. Like, it's that's pretty, you know. There's no it more, is a very, very offbeat choice to have the alien stowing away and just kind of sleeping. You would never expect that to be the way it works. It's the last sequence of a movie you know but it works i always so took well. it that it was stuck oh you think it's stuck i, I don't it's think it's sleeping. stuck i think it's just it doesn't care like it's like it's all right going I'll get away to, the... to go where she's going yeah i think it's just kind of like i'll get to her when i get to her but for now i'm just going to kind of chill here because it gets out of this hole it's yeah. not like you know it didn't need... it got in 
I know. Help me, I'm stuck. Help me. But like, it gets out. Like, yeah, I think it's just sleeping. It's I like, think it's just got away for a long trip. It, I think it's a weird. You're used to these to hiding on ships for long periods of time. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. For yeah, that kind of thought too. But also, it's just like it's not like it feels threatened by anything. Right. For sure. For sure. It, yeah. It doesn't. It under. It doesn't understand airlocks. <laughs> the the most dangerous threat to most aliens. Actually, we'd airlock. have no idea how intelligent it is, do we? We know. It, I mean, it's a predator. That's what we know. Pretty, it wouldn't have to be that intelligent. It's like it's yeah. like a lion, honestly. Lions are just lazy. They just hang out and they'll eat when they want to. Yeah. It's like a sexual tyrannosaurus. <laughs> this is that's a terrifying moment. That's, With that yeah. flashing light. Just the a wonderful lot. shot, yeah. Yeah. Whoa. That's such a cool setup too. Just like all the again, the process of like showing her doing all these things to carefully get ready. Yeah. Putting a spacesuit on, all this stuff. That's so great. It can breathe. It's clever enough to get in the hole. It's just like it's, it's trying fire. to get back in. Yeah, it's gonna try to sleep in there. I, I love that the the way we see it just get taken out is like the way it. I mean, it, it goes back to the white thing we were talking about again. It's not yeah. like yeah. F- it's not flames. It's not like rocket flames. It looks like water. It, it's yeah. Instead, it, yeah. It's like. I mean, it's all its slime, I guess, that's coming at us. But just the oh, way yeah. the, these—it's the way these rockets look on this ship. It's just light coming at you. Well, it's the way a... it's shot looks like a you know like a real rocket launch. Uh-huh. You know where they set the camera below and it's just affecting the lens. I mean, which that's... is how it would look. But at the yeah. when you think of like rocket launches or something like that, you don't tend to think of it besides like flames and smoke. Right, right. But here it's just bright shining light and yeah, fluid essentially coming at you. And I wonder how, you know, we modern audience has been a bit of this conversation for this movie, but how would they react to this ending? She just goes to cryo sleep. You know, there's no like, oh, I'm I'm in safety. I'm, you know, she's yeah. floating in space in cryo sleep. And that's, but the, the alien's gone. The mission saving the movie, the, the, the alien, it's gone. That's all that matters. And we met, when we met her, she was in cryo sleep. So she's going right back to yeah. cryo sleep. Which is fine, but I, I just wonder if uh, how it would be received today. Would it be conclusive enough that she didn't meet back with other people, get a hug, go to, you know, say it's going to be okay? She's just alone now. I mean, I'm kind sure Fox looked at that and thought, well, you know Snow where the White or something with that image, or Sleeping Beauty, you know? Mm-hmm. Snow White, maybe. Well, it's Disney now, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And she later played the, wasn't there a Snow White with Sigourney Weaver? Yes. With uh, yeah, with Sam. <laughs> yeah, there Neal, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Snow White, a tale of terror. I think it was called. Yeah, it was a horror movie. That's what I was trying to think. Of. <laughs> yeah. There's your boy Derek Van Lint. <laughs> there it is. One word, Van Lint. Well, that movie flew by. <laughs> there is Roger Christian, the director of Battlefield Earth. Yeah. Terry Rawlings, the editor, would go on to help with uh, Blade Runner, too, on one of the cuts. <laughs> Colonel Rimbaldi. He did Yentl, he did Legend, so he's a pocket of Worthy Scott for a bit. Oh, he edited Alien 3, too. So the guy who edited the first one edited the third one. Maybe, uh-huh. brought in. Maybe it was brought in. And Goldeneye. He's got some good ones in here. Okay. 
it's amazing how many different distinct visions are present in this movie. Yeah. Ridley Scott, uh, Gear, Walter Hill, uh, David Geiler. You yeah. got Dan O'Bannon. Dan O'Bannon. <laughs> they all have distinct visions and they could all pass for the, the filmmaker. But in the, in the end, I think that real credit probably has to go to Ridley Scott. Yeah, because we, we have Blade Runner to follow. So it, it backs yeah. up that this was a lot of him. Well, even, I would, again, not sci-fi, but yeah, the Duelist. Mobius The, the Duelist has a lot of this and, in here, too, as far as this kind of its atmosphere. Yeah. And Legend, for that Ron matter, too. Ron Cobb, the, 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 product, the production designer Ron Cobb, that guy also is, like, a, a very distinct vision, you know. Do you guys and like Legend? Blend... It's, it's, Legend? I, don't think, I don't think it's as bad as the hate gives it. It's an interesting movie. It's, visually, it's pretty cool. I, I just, don't know I why Legend doesn't it. work, and this does. What do you think? I just I just can't get into it for whatever reason. I, I can't get it. into it emotionally, uh, but I can get into it as a st- stylistic exercise. It's only ninety minutes, you know. But yeah, it definitely that was a real chink in the armor. It just, just I think the yeah. script is the problem. And Tom Cruise. It's something it, I don't I hate to Cruise revisit is. every now and then. Some great. I mean, it's got that's one of the last great. That's got Rob Bottin did all the yeah. makeup in there, and that's one of the last great practical effect movies in terms of like creatures that thing that comes out of the water and grabs tom cruise is great and so is obviously the tim curry tim devil but... devil thing yeah yeah i always revisit legend every once in a while you know i don't hate it at all i, I have to muster up energy to be like oh let's watch legend like it's <laughs> you gotta do it every 10 years or so maybe it got good. it's it's weird because because it's like the, yeah this seems like a, something that would be a great follow-up to blade runner for release yeah he does fantasy mm-hmm. now how does that work and yeah. it's just like it, it eh, seems whatever. like it wouldn't have been hit at the time but maybe it's great now his <laughs> fantasy was better off than like a period piece type fantasy yeah he he really he moved into that territory pretty i mean with gladiator and kingdom of heaven like that is obviously yeah. a strength of his yeah yeah uh, so Aliens ended. <laughs> we talked. We did not lack for things to talk about. That's for sure. Yeah, we'll need no? to go over. Um, it's very good. <laughs> now we'll begin the director's cut of the film. Yes. Yeah, let's dig into it. Don't go In anywhere. Five, yeah. four. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess we can start wrapping things up with uh, going over where everyone can be found. Yancy, where can people find more of you online? Milky Way Blues. <laughs> That's where you can find more of me. Also on Twitter is Yancey Jack. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Brandon? Uh, YSOBlue.com, where you can find my written stuff. And uh, Cult Cinema Cavalcade, uh, my podcast, where uh, we do have a, our, what we got up there now is our live episode from Indie PopCon uh, 2019, which uh, went really well. So um, take a listen to that. It's kind of short, but it's awesome. All my stuff can be found at thecodeofzeke.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. You can find this podcast everywhere you can find podcasts and follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast. We got our Twitter page and our Instagram and all that. Follow all that stuff. It's all good. Uh, now we get to the fun part of the end of commentary tracks. So we talk about what we can do on next month's commentary track. Um, July. What do we got in July? We got a Spider-Man, Spider-Man movie. We've done two of those. Um... I don't think we're going to do a Spider-Man 3 commentary track. It's going to be very long. Amazing um, Spider-Man. The Lion King's coming out. Yeah. We can do something Disney. Yeah. I mean, we just did with Alien, I guess. But, I mean, we could do something oh, else. We could, wait, there's a Tarantino movie at the end of the month. Ooh, ooh, yes. Hmm. Some options there. Reservoir Dogs. The shortest one. Um, 
we'll think we'll, we'll toy around with some ideas but yeah all right well with all that out of the way uh, that's going to do it for this week. This bonus uh, commentary track. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Brandon and Yancey, for joining me for this. Thank. Uh, this was awesome. Yeah. Was yeah. Thank Thanks, you people guys. who voted. So thank you, you people this. who. This. this was voted on, right? Yeah, yeah. I put up a. There, we had three options. I put this up as one of them. Yeah. Voted on. Thanks right? to those who voted, because perfect choice. Awesome. Thank you. For sure. And yeah, we'll be back next month with a new commentary track, but of course we have our weekly episodes as well. So until then, until next time, so long and goodbye.